Hello there. Welcome to the Dorky's Podcast Padawans. I'm your co-host, Mike. And joining me, my co-host, who is famous for one thing and one thing only. He is the Senate. It's Daniel. How are you doing today, my friend? <laughs> it's treason, then. <laughs> I laid it up and you sank it in, my friend. Nice. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I was looking back at our, uh, you know, just all the episodes that we've done so far. We're on episode 51, by the way. Congratulations to the, to, to nice. all of us here at the Dorkiest. Uh, and this is the first time we've ever done a star wars centric episode and i cannot believe that that's so weird right we are called the dorkiest so this is insane <laughs> yeah and maybe it's just one of those things too and you know maybe some of the listeners will 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 hear this especially from my side of the conversation that like maybe it's just one of those things maybe we're just avoiding talking about because our because our opinions on star wars is complicated these days Who? What, what, what do you think i i think that's fair and like i said we are Let's be honest. Outside of video games, we are, our, our main thing is Marvels. Yeah, so we, haven't yeah. ex- we haven't expanded to all of the movie franchises, which I'm sure we will. We'll do deep dives in all of the quintessential nerd movie franchises at some point. Yeah, nothing's gonna stop us, baby. Fifty-one episodes and counting. Woo! Zack Snyder, yes. Snyder for Zack, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Here we come. We. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, guys. We're going to be doing uh, the Star Wars films, all 11 of the live action theatrically released Star Wars films today. Uh, We're just going to rank all of them uh, with special proxy guest uh, from Daniel's wife, Taylor. Uh, This was kind of a really spurred on your guys's recent uh, rewatch. Is that right? Right. Because um, for, for reference, my wife has never seen a single Star Wars movie. And how did she manage to avoid them? It's just she just never was interested or just kept yeah. putting it off? Yeah, well, it's, uh, it comes back to a thing of hers where I, I call her a reverse movie snob. She <laughs> is generally not into any movie that's older than she is. <laughs> you start getting pre-2000, she her interest in the films drops dramatically. Oh, okay. So, you know, pre so like around the 2000s though that's when the star wars prequel started coming out so i, I know she was right. very young at that age but like it, it that wasn't part of her childhood at all like seeing those around nope. seeing those to- she didn't have the toys she doesn't have siblings or cousins that loved it i was like, i know like her uh her cousin does like star wars and she said that she remembers she had memories that she played with lightsabers with her with her cousin but it's just like she said it's just a thing that the movie is just not a thing that she knew anything about Man, that's very interesting. What a int- what a weird perspective to have. At, at least like right. for me too, because you know, I, I I was born in the '80s, so like growing up in the '90s, like Star Wars was always like in the periphery of pop culture. It was always something to be revered. Uh, and then you know the hype of the prequels, the prequel films coming out in the 2000s too, and you know, and they came and went, and you know, opinions and blah blah blah. We'll get to that. So like, I just feel like my entire life like was all inundated with star wars and you know whether it was seeing toys or merchandise or hearing people talk about it like i just feel like it was one of those things that's at least in our culture unavoidable so the fact that your wife was able to for you know for so long just never watch them until just recently that's crazy to me right uh, well technically i believe it's like when me and i first started dating i tried to get her to watch the first film a new hope (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. She got about five minutes in, and she was like, "Can we please do something else? I'm bored." <laughs> and, wow, uh, that's and a I, take. That that was the uh, and that was like the first. I see. I felt that was our first hurdle in our relationship. I'm like, okay, <laughs> and I kept quiet and silent about it for three years. And then I so I just mentioned, it's like, do you want to watch it? And she's like, yeah, maybe I was too harsh on it. I'll give it a chance. Okay, cool. Well, it's cool that she was at least able to get over her own uh, just kind of uh, disinterest, disinterest, and roadblocks on it. I guess so. So yeah, we'll see how how these ranks for her because I'm really interested to see how these films uh, kind of feel around somebody who has hasn't had this franchise on their mind uh, constantly throughout her life. Right. That's cool. So we'll get we'll get to that uh, at the in, in the just in just a bit but uh daniel you know in the meantime over the last couple weeks what is it that you have been playing over there oh my guy have been slowly losing the will to live on my continued march through mass effect 2 (laughs) insanity oh my gosh has it been that bad really oh it's like all right first of all it's like uh biotics are not very useful they're not they're they're very nerfed on insanity and mass effect 2 (laughs) <laughs> so you just have to and, uh, bullet sponge your entire your way through the entire game now yeah it's like basically biox are only to remove shields because i don't know if you know how they did it in mass effect 2 mass effect 2 they just added an extra layer of protection on every enemy on the That's shields yeah like husks now have shields so you have to knock down the shields before you can kill them uh, all, and every now all like humanoid enemy like the mercenaries they all they all have arm all have armor they have shields and armor oh my god so, three layers uh, now and and all and all of the collectors have barriers shields and armor <laughs> and they all have a different weakness then so you're constantly yes. having to swap between your bionics and your weaponry and yeah and, oh my gosh yeah and I want to be consistent. Like, you know, if you're playing through, you can change your class between games. But it's like, no, I just want to do this. I'm playing as Adept, and uh, I found out that every single guide on Earth tells you Adept is the hardest class to play. It's <laughs> Andy on two on. I'm like, oh, that's great. Of course, Daniel. Of course you would pick the hardest one. <laughs> and I, I was feeling pretty good. It's like, okay, you know, I'm squishy, but, you know, just stay in cover. You know, try to keep your squad mates alive. Horizon about broke me. Oh, uh, really? That is so hard. I see a harbinger just rips through your shields if you get hit by them once. Oh my gosh! Oh, that's terrible, man. So, you, but, so, but it sounds like you're getting close to the end, though. Uh, I, I, all I have left are a, a handful of loyalty missions because I still want my squad to, you know, live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I have a few loyalty missions, then there's the Reaper IFF, and, and then the suicide mission. So I, I am close, I am close. But Horizon and the Collectorship just about broke me. The Collectorship was so bad. It doesn't sound like you're having a good time anymore. <laughs> it's like, well, I said, I, if nothing else, uh, Mike, I can say this. I found a bright spot uh-huh. of it. I started the Garrus Romance. <laughs> And Mike, I am I I am been converted. I am part of the cult. Oh, you're I part of that weird th- those weirdos I, who are 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 in it for that cricket penis. Like, what, what's up with you, yeah, Daniel? I, I, I get it. I get it now. <laughs> what's sexy about him? Is it just no, his okay, voice? No, 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 no. It's not really. It's not the sexiness of it at all to me. It's just 
he I just love him so much like it really is just like he's your best friend that you're just now in a relationship with because you pick the flirty dialogue and it's just like <laughs> you know Garrus is a pretty you know, Garrus is you know he's smart mouthed he's kind of cocky he's he's sarcastic but as soon as you pick that like flirty dialogue he just starts stammering as like I I um um I I, I didn't know you were into guys with scars Shepard. <laughs> Daniel, you can't you can't change him. This is a mistake. All right, every every person who who like who's into that bad boy mentality is 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 has gone through this mistake. Don't do the same thing. All right, you know right. where he ends up in Mass Effect Three. He go he's unhinged, bro. Don't do it. <laughs> right, I can't wait till I get to Mass Effect Three because I'm gonna have to sort out the fact that I romance Caden in Mass Effect One. <laughs> oh, gee, gee, gee. oh, this. this does that happen though? Like if you romance somebody previously oh, yeah, and they yeah. they get yeah, jealous Kate, or something? Yeah, Caden calls you out on it. Basically, is like you're cheating on me because like I'm. And my thought was like we had one interaction in Mass Effect Two. Did you consider that still in a relationship? Oh boy, like, we met once and you called me a terrorist. How is that? <laughs> how in your mind were, were we still good? I mean, that's it, I don't know what's better, like that or you know that cricket penis. So <laughs> this is I, I this is a Daniel cricket. problem. This is a very unique Daniel problem, and uh, you're just gonna have to yeah. share the hot goss with me when you get to that point, my friend. Right, but uh, that that is it. Mass Effect has taken over my life. I I will get these darn trophies. <laughs> yeah, I still, you know, I I haven't been on uh, PS5 in, in in a little while because I just been on Switch, which I'll get to in a bit. But uh, yeah, every now and then I still kind of log into my PSN account and just see where you are on that trophy hunting, and you're getting very close, dude. Very very close. Yes. Wear well, those platinum. For... Yeah, wear, wear those platinum trophies like a badge of honor, my friend. I will. But yeah, Mike, that is it for me. So what have you been playing over there? As if I didn't already know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you think you know, but you have no idea. Uh, you have some idea. I've been playing some Tears of the Kingdom. But uh, as of last week, I have rolled credits. Oh, man. And the experience of this game is unlike... It, it is like far surpassed my expectations. I know I talked about this on... Um, previous episode so i'm not going to repeat myself too much but the so let's just talk more about like the plot i guess like the plot really was the main highlight of my time here with tears of the kingdom like i love the new tools i love the new maps i love the new mechanics uh that you can play around with with this game but what i think really got the best glow up from this game prior to uh breath of the wild really was the plot and uh, when you realize what's going on in the game and what's going on with Zelda and um, what her plot line kind of entails and how that kind of entangles with links. It is just some of the best like fantasy storytelling and it's just so emotional. Uh, and the, the, the ending is just so satisfying too. And um, you know, so I was, after I rolled credits played around with the game for a few more days and I just kind of decided, you know what, I'm just going to put it down for a little bit. I'm going to, come back to it when i missed the game so yeah man well well worth the wait for six years of tears of the kingdom and uh and and i, and I really think this will be like right up your alley whenever you're ready for it my friend like it is again it, it's 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 that genre you love the massive open world game that never ends but this time there's three there's three layers to the map daniel you got oh, the sky Lord. you got the sky world you got hyrule and you got a you got a you got an underworld too that is just as big as hyrule so 
yeah, that, that's the only it. game you're ever going to need. <laughs> right. Well, I'm glad because I'm, for, I'm glad you're at least having a good time with it because unfortunately the subset of the internet I seem to find myself on sometimes, I have just been getting the weirdest ass takes about the Tears of the Kingdom. Oh, what, like contrarians or what? I, I, just people like weird incels that are mad because they made Link too feminine? Um, well, in the first game, you have to dress as a woman to get into a village, and you have to do that well, every I, time you get into a village. I mean, I said I'm, their critiques make no sense. They say he has two feminine hips, Mike. <laughs> this is a teen boy, by the way. This is a teenage boy that they're well, talking listen, about. Like, like most incels on the internet, they are way too concerned with minors' bodies. I'm just saying. No, that's that's very true. You're not wrong about that. Yeah, I mean, so. <laughs> <laughs> that was my take. I'm just like, I, I, I guess they're also mad because trans people have like kind of latched onto Link as like a trans icon, which I'm like, I don't like. Who? Like, does that bother you? I'm like, I feel like we have to have something better to do with our time than this. Like, does every main character in a video game have to look and sound and act like Marcus Phoenix from Gears of War? Like, yes, yes. Or Master Chief, <laughs> please, Master Chief. Or Master Chief. Yeah, yeah. Master Chief and his hot ass from from the from the TV show. <laughs> but uh anyway. yeah i mean whatever whatever I, I don't know what parts of the i'm guessing it's reddit or or twitter yeah, yeah. Or, or, okay it's it's it well both but it's but yeah you're not wrong yeah i mean i i i i personally think it's pretty awesome that so many people from all kind all walks of life have latched onto link as like their personal avatar and you know i i get frustrated sometimes you know especially now with uh, Breath of the Wild, which, which was the first game in the series to have voice acting, that they still didn't give Link a voice. But, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll hear things like, you know, or, or I'll see like, you know, women or non-binary people like cosplay as Link and talk about how, like, oh, I love Link. Link is so cool. And they'd be like, oh, you know what? Maybe it's better that Link doesn't have a voice because it's so much easier to attach yourself to that character when there aren't like gender expectations set upon them, you know? Right, so that's it. I couldn't agree more. I just thought it was a funny point to bring up because the <laughs> internet, because I, I swear the every new video game has, I say these weird this weird subset of gamers as they have something to complain about. I really wish there was some way, like based on the, I guess quote unquote population of an opinion, like if the volume can be turned to what that actual population is. So like a bunch of like these. <laughs> incel kind of pedophile weirdos on the internet talking about Link's teenage boy hips or whatever the heck they're talking about like if we can actually turn the volume down to what it actually is so that you know you know i'm sure it's a percent a tiny percentage of a percentage no, I, i'm sure <laughs> at, 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 at most, we're definitely in the in the single digits yeah i'm sure I'm, i hope we're in like the 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 the, the, the point the percentage yeah. yeah the decimal yeah. points but uh yeah so we can actually turn the volume down on that and then actually you know bring up the volume on people talking about how like, the game mechanics are awesome how the art direction is amazing how they improved on the story and it's just this one of the best games to just run around and, and and have fun in so yeah dude like you're gonna have a great time whenever you end up picking up this game or whenever you pick up playing uh you know breath of the wild again you know what whenever you've gone completely mad from mass effect 2 <laughs> <laughs> uh but after i put it down uh you know time to look in the backlog again 
So uh, I picked up this game on my shelf called After Image. Uh, it's one word. Uh, and say it with me, Daniel. It's a 2D action-adventure side-scrolling Metrovania. <laughs> with com- uh, that's combat-focused. Woo! <laughs> uh, like you with those games, me with massive open-world games. We have our niche. <laughs> we do have our niche. Uh, this it, it, I'm a simple man, Daniel. I see hand-drawn 2d side-scrolling combat focus metroidvanias i'm gonna i'm gonna fall in love uh and i've kind of you know uh, about four hours or so into this game this this game has like everything that i love about this genre especially from like an indie point of view too because it's got like these these gorgeous backdrops like they're almost like watercolor uh-esque uh the and the, the sprite work is or can you call them sprites i don't know the the the, the character designs are all like hand-drawn like well animated uh the character design or the monster designs like you know even though i'm kind of still early in this game like all the monster designs are really fascinating to look at and they just have like this great like weight to them like anytime they try to attack you or you get hit by them like it really feels like you got hit as the player and maybe that's part of the screen shake effect or just the way everything is animated but it's just gorgeous um uh, I know what you're asking there, listener. Hey, I've never heard of After Effect, Mike. What is After Effect about? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm four hours into this game, and the story is a little nonsensical. Uh, so for the just just for the uh, point of talking about it on this show, I went to AfterImageGame.com, and this is the official synopsis. <clears throat> An ancient city brought to ruins. Years after the cataclysm called The Raising nearly brought an end to human civilization, mystic forces suddenly assaulted mankind's remaining settlements. Seeking to investigate these attacks, an amnesiac girl named Renee bid farewell to her destroyed village and embarked on her journey to discover the truth, inexplicably setting into motion a series of events that will determine the fate of the new world. Now I know what you're thinking there, listener, and Daniel. Mike, that's the plot of every... 2d action adventure side-scrolling combat focused metrovania that you bring to the table uh yeah i know (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't mean i can't love it damn it (laughs) so yeah i'm 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 having a great time with this game though uh but again you know still early i'm still loving the combat and 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 stuff like that so you know just like tears of the kingdom i feel like i'm repeating myself often because i just keep playing these types of games um but uh i i this is might be a little unorthodox to bring to this segment of the show, but uh, as of today, uh, the demo on PlayStation Five for Final Fantasy Sixteen just went live. Now, I just got off work like an hour ago. I just had some food, hung out with my wife a little bit for a little bit, and then set up for this show. So I have not played the demo, but as soon as I'm done editing the show and posting it, uh, I am going to go play the demo for Final Fantasy Sixteen, and I'm going to have I'm going to probably have a great time. Daniel, what is your interest and or uh, excitement level for Final Fantasy sixteen? My interest excitement level is I can't wait for Mike to not talk about anything else for the rest of the year. <laughs> Heck yeah, baby. I mean, by the time the next episode comes out uh, for the dorkiest, like we, we, we will be in a post Final Fantasy sixteen world. So uh, <laughs> expect that, I guess. <laughs> Bingo right. card, Final Fantasy. That's a fun fact, actually, the Final Fantasy-related thing that uh, got me more interested, the fact that I believe they said they're going to be doing a remake of Final Fantasy X, which is on my list of things that I was going to play, because it was a, 
a good intro to Final Fantasy, according to you. So I'm like, that is very true. Yeah, I, I really think if you are ready to jump into the franchise, 10 would be the perfect place to start. I, I think it is, even though it's not my favorite Final Fantasy, I do think it is the best Final Fantasy and it holds up to this day. Uh, but yeah, I did see that in the rumor mills uh, like a few days ago. So I'd be interested to see if they get to that at some point because we are in the middle of the final fantasy 7 remake trilogy uh because they they're they're dividing final fantasy 7 into three games and then remaking that if anybody wasn't aware uh and there's also rumors going around that i've been hearing for like two years that they're going to remake final fantasy 9 as well so i don't know what 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 may be true maybe these remake projects are just maybe getting folded into one another or misinterpreted lost in translation but if they do remake 10 at some point i'm not going to be mad about that like that's one of the best games i've ever played nice all right man so you know that's that's what we've been playing uh for the past couple of weeks uh daniel i wish you the best of luck i hope that you don't go mad uh it's because one of the best games ever that i've ever played mass effect 2 and i don't want you to hate it but uh i never hate it mike (laughs) if it is still I think it's safe to say at this point my favorite video game franchise. So it's it's okay. It's a, we're going through a rough patch, but we'll get through this. <laughs> you know, it, that's it's right. all good. It's all good once I get the platinums. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You're gonna you're gonna remember why you you fell in love with it. And it's just be a fleeting memory. You're just gonna one day you're gonna do another insanity run and with another with another class and, and another shepherd, and you're just gonna go through this process over and over again and you're just gonna forget about it as soon as you get as soon as you get past it. Exactly. All right, man. So let's get to the main topic of today's episode. Again, it was weird that we've we've never done a Star Wars centric episode before, uh, but I guess now's the time. Uh, but before we get into the eleven live action theatrically released films, Daniel, let's talk about Star Wars a little bit. You know, if 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 your if your wife did a good job of of ignoring Star Wars all of her life. It's pretty hard to ignore Star Wars these days. It's kind it of really is. <laughs> It's kind of everywhere and you know, I think we can thank Disney for that. Thank uh, right. I, I put the, thank in quotations. Yeah, but uh, thank the Marvelification of every film franchise. Yeah, you know what what Marvel did really well with the Infinity Saga every other franchise is trying to copy uh whether it deserves it or not or whether it fits or not everyone's gonna try it uh so where are you on the star wars franchise man like what what has been your like experience with the franchise going growing up and where do you think it's in a good place now right i guess for context is like let's see i you know when i grew up uh my dad, uh, as he watched the original trilogy, like he, we had those on VHS tape. Mm-hmm. As it, as like, because uh, my dad would have been like in high school slash college age when the original trilogy came out. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with it, and my earliest memory is I had to be like five or six, like watching Empire Strikes Back with him. Like that's like one of my early childhood memories. So like Star Wars has very much been inundated all of my life because I also, you know, I grew up, I was like eight years old when Revenge of the Sith came out. You know, I am the perfect age for like the prequel trilogy. Oh yeah. And And yeah, eight is like perfect for that movie too. Cause like, it's got like just the right amount of darkness in it too. Right. It's right. And it's got just enough like action, but you know, it's still, it's still 
you know, still PG thirteen. It's PG thirteen. In my opinion, it's a light PG thirteen. Yeah, so. it's it. It really is because of like one of the main characters one, gets burned alive at the end. Burned alive, yeah. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, but it's like and you know. So then I was like twelve when the Clone Wars series started. So, you know, I'm still I'm like right, there. and that show is targeted. At, I would say like ten to thirteen year olds. So I am like mm-hmm. the perfect age. I grew up uh, so I had like. So many Star Wars toys. I mean, I can't even tell you. <laughs> so right, many. Right. So I have loved this. And, uh, you know, I guess it's like a lot of things. You just get older and you don't keep up with it as much. And then I hear like, oh, they're making a sequel trilogy. I'm like, well, okay, that's interesting. Because, you know, I started kind of falling off. I never watched uh, Rebels, which was the anime series after Clone Wars. I never watched it. Just, you know, I wasn't the right age, I guess, anymore. Was that post Disney though, uh, Rebels? That was I... no, no, that was pre Disney. They actually canceled it because of the acquisition by Disney. Oh, interesting. But they brought it back, right? There's a Disney version of Rebels. Is that right? Yeah, it's called. No, they did. They canceled it. I think they had helped because they let when Disney accomplished them. They actually let them do one last season of both Clone Wars and I think Rebels, and then they did Resistance. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. Resi- yeah, you. Resistance was to tie in, was to like to help lead up to the sequel trilogy because it like takes place right around that time to get people okay. like into the world. So like you know, fast forward, it's like I'm when you know when the sequel trilogy starts, I'm like twenty. Mm-hmm. So it's like I, I'm a little inundated, and uh, we'll get to my thoughts. But I'm like, okay, like overall, I have middling the positive thoughts on the sequel trilogy okay and then and then we just get smacked in the face with a barrage of disney plus original series oh boy yeah i mean we're not going to rank the disney plus stuff but no, uh, but i think it's safe to say that it's a lot because we have like three seasons of the mandalorian book of boba fett uh, the Obi Wan series, Andor, uh, the Bad Batch. Uh, they got now we're getting an Ahsoka series, mm-hmm. and it's just like it's it's a lot. And I really I sit there and like I do not blame anyone for saying that it's they get burnt out on it. I can't say because I've had middling takes of what I have watched. I've not watched everything, but like I would like you know just fast and loose thoughts. First two seasons of Mandalorian, pretty good. Book of Boba Fett, yeah, that existed. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even watch it. I, 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 yeah, I don't think I finished it yet. But it was, it, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It doesn't need to exist, but it's fine. <laughs> um, Obi Wan, I, me and my wife actually really liked, but hey, I like Ewan McGregor. So, <laughs> hello there. Yes, exactly. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I'll have this as a hot take. One, the best actor in all of the prequel trilogy. <laughs> Oh yeah, by bar none. Like he 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 really was the, the 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 person that like carried you through, and he really should have been the main character of the prequel trilogies. But we'll get to the prequel trilogy uh, in a bit. Yeah, but that's where I'm at. I'm like, I think we're almost to the point where Disney is kind of make or break it with it. With how these next few movies go is really gonna determine. Let's see how let's see how successful they're being because. Fans have already made their opinions of the sequel trilogy very well known. Yeah, very divided. Uh, divided to, to put it to put it lightly. Right. Like I, I had a conversation about this randomly with two of my coworkers, and it was just them, sh- them uh, very much poo-pooing the sequel trilogy. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully not for like all the wrong reasons, which again, we'll get to when we get to the sequel trilogy. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. Like, uh, I, let's see, I'm like, I'm not burnt out on on it, all of it yet, but I, I do not blame anyone that says they, is, they are because it, it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I find myself feeling that way about it uh you know because i mentioned you know, you know i mentioned previously you know I, I i was born in the 80s grew up in the 90s uh and even with the prequel trilogy when that came out in the 2000s like there was still like a reverence for star wars it, it was still something that you know even if you don't like all of the films or all the aspects of all the films like there was still something unique about it there was it, it was something it was still an auteurist you know franchise it was still something that was like Still, the single mind of a uh, you can you can trace it back to one creative, uh, one, one, one creative director, which was George Lucas at the time. And you know, even though he's you know he hit or hit or miss with the with, with the prequel stuff, like you could still say that like that wasn't you know built by a committee. Like it was still like his his auteurist right. like brain, right? That fast forward and now to and that feels like it's gone now like i, I, I you know it, it, it seems it, it, i get what you're saying it's stars have been very corporatized yeah and and you know and that sounds like a very cynical take and you know and i'm gonna <laughs> right. try my best to be on my best behavior uh for this ranking because this whole corporate overtaking of star wars is not something i feel great about um i don't really have much I, I okay what am i trying to say like disney corporate i think is evil <laughs> um, i mean we are not no one's disagreeing with you the only <laughs> case in which i side with disney on anything is what's currently going on with the governor of florida that's the only time i side with disney yes. on anything corporately speaking and even then like, i'm like yay disney <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. yeah you still feel weird but i'm like i mean i don't like supporting the mega corpse or anything but it's like but you know i'll take that over over kkk hitler i guess you know? yeah yeah so it's like you know there, there's a lot of like disney films and disney like produced films like the marvel stuff and star wars stuff that i love and it's like oh this yeah. is this is awesome and i think there's something unique to this but the over corporatization of star wars especially after like it, it was getting to the point like prior to disney purchasing them where i was like oh yeah i think we're like, i'm looking around like there's a lot of star wars around here like and those movies were like however many years ago and then disney right. acquired star wars especially and then the lead up to the sequel trilogy and then you see star wars everywhere and it does not let up a single bit right i i completely understand and i think this needs to be said like I, again i won't speak for you but i think we must say like i don't think we outright like you know blind hatred rage at any of these movies right like i think even the ones we don't think are great or don't have like just unrepentant anger at um one movie i do <laughs> okay there's one, one i understand but it's like i, I think i say like i don't even like the star wars movies that are at the bottom of my list I, I don't really have like a lot of vitriol for but on the same spectrum is my favorite star wars movies i'm not gonna pretend is high art like i think that's really me and my wife really discussed like they're fun space they're fun movies about space wizards like it's like yeah yeah i think a lot a lot of the fan base i really think acts like these movies are like great like like a-list filmmaking and i'm like they're fun action space movies it's like i don't yeah. 
it's like, I think that needs to be put into perspective a little bit. And like, even the best Star Wars movie, it's not, you know, it's not going to be on my list of like my 10 favorite movies of all time, probably. Yeah. And you can have a great time with a fun movie, but like you said, it doesn't make it like high art. Right. And yeah. And we're going to talk about each of those films with that perspective in mind. Um, You know, and and the one film I did tease that like, that I have like vitriolic hatred for it. Like it is the worst case scenario of a giant corporation, like (laughs) taking something that used to be unique and, 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 and fun and amazing and just corporatizing the crap out of it and just oh, I, it yeah, exists yeah, yeah, yeah. solely to sell t-shirts to little kids like i oh, hate yeah, that movie exactly. so much but uh, if it's the one we're thinking about i can i guarantee you me and taylor all have the same movie at number 11 i, I have to think it we may not agree on anything else but i probably think <laughs> yeah so, absolutely uh, yeah, so with that said, do we just want to get right into this? Yeah, so let's go ahead and get started then. Um, so what, what what Daniel and I decided to do, because we're going to be ranking three people's ranks, is that we're going to go in uh, release order. We're going to go 4, yeah. 5, 6, 1, 2, 3, 7, 8, 9, and then we're going to rank Rogue One and uh, Solo separately right after that. Uh, because, you know, right. we kind of figured that, you know, we don't really want to end on episode nine. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, so I guess that leads us right into it uh, with A New Hope. Mike, where does that end up on your list, my a friend? A New Hope, released May 25th, 1977, directed by George Lucas, uh, originally called Star Wars, and then it was rebranded while it was in its theatrical run to Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Fun fact. Uh, so, uh, my ranking here after much thought, this is my number six out of 11. Oh, interesting. That is actually lower than I expected you to have it. It is my number three. Yeah. So uh, you putting it at number three, I mean, like I imagine I, I, this is kind of what I expected too. late that, that original trilogy has a lot of reverence to it. Um, and you know, I, so I'd be in, in uh, you know, for, with, uh, what do you call it? Uh, empire strikes back too so i imagine that that one's probably going to rank a little bit higher especially if saying that that's your first exposure to star wars too so i just imagine you have like really strong memories attached to those original films right yeah so i'll just say because i guess i will go ahead and get this out of the way taylor put this at number 10 number 10 whoa all right all right all right so does the movie just like not hold up for her does does she not think it holds up to like modern film standards yeah i guess we'll go ahead and just start on that uh her take is that the story is very simplistic and her attitude is there's a lot happening but also not a lot happening (laughs) There's a lot happening, but not a lot happening. That's a great right. way to describe uh, a lot of films and, I've seen. <laughs> and you know what? And my editor would look at me, I'm like, you know, you're not wrong. I'm like, I get in. You know, I agree with her. It is a very simple, it's the hero's journey. It is a, it is the bog standard, like, fantasy hero story. Like, he's saving the princess, fighting against the evil Dark Lord. You know, it's, it is, it's as simple. I'm not going to disagree with that at all. Yeah, but in between all of the stuff that's quote-unquote not happening, like, you're getting character moments, so, like, you're getting, you're getting people interacting with one another, you're getting to learn a little bit about Han and Luke and Ben and and Obi-Wan and, you know, getting to see the interactions between Darth Vader and all of his underlings, you know, it's, 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 it's good character stuff, at least. Yeah, I agree. Uh, like I said, like I love these characters. I, I think that also comes for us. She felt like a lot of the acting felt very stiff and dated, 
And I was like, and I, and I am rewatching them. I, I can see that. Like she said to her, she said that Han Solo is her favorite character because she thought that was, he did the best job. Harrison Ford did the best job acting wise in that movie. Yeah. I mean, he's the and, established, he's like one of the only established actors right, in yeah, that original and, film. Yeah. Him and Alec Guinness are like pretty much it. Yeah. I guess I, I say, aside from Peter Cushing is Tarkin, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And he, choose the scenery too every time he's on stage yeah. like he he, I mean, he looks like a caricature too it's so like your eye always is always drawn to him you know right and i like said like and um another critique that she had was that she's like the way they talk about things is like you're just supposed to know what they're saying i think for example <laughs> was like oh we were shooting it's a you know we were sh- it's a i could shoot a wall perhaps with that or like, and i get and i told her I, was like, I get that i was like i think the idea is that it's supposed to be a very lived in like you're know, yeah. saying things that you don't entirely get and as far as the dialogue i i have to bring this up i came across a interview that mark hamill did in the 70s about the movie mm-hmm. and apparently mark hamill still he felt that like that george lucasy dialogue that is sometimes hard for an actor to make sound like a normal human to saying it <laughs> he, he said that him and harrison ford they said that harrison ford threatened to tie george up and make him say the lines he wrote at one point so said you make this sound normal george uh i mean if only somebody did that to george for episodes one two and three you know <laughs> but uh yeah i mean like that that george lucasy dialogue that's just kind of part of yeah. the charm so right. to speak I, I, yeah i find it charming and like I said i i completely agree yeah yeah mark hamill again like mark hamill and carrie fisher especially are very untested actors at this time oh, yeah. So they're, yeah they're not giving the guy and i do think mark hamill and both and carrie fisher both they give better performances as the trilogy goes on oh yeah I this think. is this is definitely not something to add to your highlight reel as an actor um, no. but for no the- it's like but yeah it's like i think it has a lot of heart and you know i'm like you can't deny that that entrance from darth vader at the beginning that is still epic i that's still great yeah and it's cool too that like with rogue one that that opening sequence has a lot more um like uh What's what's the term? Like, there's a, there's a lot more. There's like more threatening presence because you know what's what's just happened prior to that scene. So like, there's a lot more urgency. I guess that's that's the term I'm looking for for that for yeah, that opening yeah, scene. Yeah, that's a, that's very interesting. And I, I think that also came with my we get my wife's main critique of the original trilogy. All is that she's like Darth Vader is built up as such this like epic, intimidating character, and she's just like she said that she just didn't feel that. And when we got to Rogue One, she was like. That's what I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, and that's something that, like, you know, I guess doesn't hold up as much for uh, the older films. Is that like, yeah, Darth Vader but, is no longer like I, I know, like, recent things have tried to make him a lot more threatening, but he's like not scary anymore. No, no, like I said, like it's, and I, I think she said the high, the point or that hit her the most was the fight between Obi Wan and Darth Vader on the Death Star, and she's just like. I don't know. I was expecting more from a lightsaber fight <laughs> between these I know. two. Like they kill I'm like, yeah, I know it's two old men swinging a sword. It's, and I agree. Like that is that I do knock the I can do that knock the movie for that because like it has the weakest fight scenes except for maybe some of the sequels we'll get to. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially but, episode four. I mean, it's a good thing that we didn't get a lot of lightsaber battles in that one because it is stiff and it's just kind of 
you know, you put them right next to Duel of the Fates of, from episode one. Yeah, and it's or like, the fight at the end of like Revenge of the Sith, and it's like, no, it doesn't hold up at all. Of course. <laughs> I mean, if like this said, movie were like, to be remade at some point, which you know, give give Disney give Disney give, give Disney some time, they're going to remake this this original trilogy at some point. Uh, but uh, like, yeah, I mean that that's something that this movie could benefit from is like better action sequences but you know it, it but like like i said that, that you'll you'll lose that charm of like you know from filming in the 70s right. on this on this small budget film but yeah so like but overall like that like it's the first one it, it holds a special little place in my heart for the fact of how many times i probably have watched this movie over my mm-hmm. life yeah that's awesome dude. Like, but yeah, so I yeah, so all right, so we have a nice little spread there between between us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, ranked it really high, right in the middle, right at the bottom, <laughs> right. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Oh no, not what? So you? Oh man, it sounds like she really didn't like this original trilogy. So let's move on then to uh, episode five, uh, released on May twenty first, nineteen eighty. Uh, uh, directed by Irvin Kershner. Uh, this this movie is often regarded as like the best of the Star Wars anything. Uh, a lot of people hold it in high regard. I put it at number three. Oh, I put it at number four. Number four. Interesting. I, I thought this was going to be your number two. I say Ann Taylor put it at number nine. <laughs> number nine? <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, okay, so... Give give me Taylor's uh give me Taylor's take on this. Like I I really want to know like what is it about this film in particular that didn't uh, sit well with her. Uh, I think she's her attitude was she's like well the main thing is why I asked her to rank them. Uh, I even said like all right where do you rank Empire Strikes Back and she looked at me with trip and says like what happens in that one? <laughs> Just like oh boy. <laughs> yeah, a, a lot of nothing and then a lot of something. <laughs> I said I'm like. They're on Hoth, and then I was like, eh. I started beat going through. He's like, they go on Hoth, then they meet, to, then they go and meet Lando, and she's like, okay, yeah. She's like, she's like, yeah, I like that one better than a than a New Hope. That she's like, she, she's her attitude's like, she, it's still just. I think she said it's just not a film for her. She's like, she wants more, more like modern action. She said like, that her attitude is though it improves upon everything from A New Hope in her opinion. She's like, I like that. She's the action's a little better. Mm-hmm. She's like still not what she's looking for, but she's a little better. She says the dialogue isn't as clunky, and she's like, and she's like, and by this point, like she came to the conclusion, she goes, "Okay, Han Solo, Chewbacca, three PO, and R two are my favorite characters." <laughs> well, how does she feel about the characters at this point? Like, uh, like, because w- w- I th- I feel like that's the strength of this film is that it it really does its characters a lot of justice. Like, you feel Luke's plight, like you feel the struggle. Uh, that uh, Leia is trying to go through. You feel the you feel the push and pull of Han Solo as well, uh, and everybody, yeah, at least for those main cast too. And like everybody is just kind of going about their own adventure, and like you're really invested in all of them. Like, did she not feel invested in the characters at all? Yeah, I think that's just one of the problem. And there was surely she said that the characters just are too, in her opinion felt like very two dimensional and flat, and she's just oh, okay. like I, she wasn't invested in them as much as we will get to future films where she found herself much more invested in the character arcs. Oh, okay. I said, and I, and I think it's a fair to say, she doesn't think any of these, you know, these are at, at near the bottom of the list. They are not, she does not think they're bad. She really says like, they're not my thing and I probably wouldn't rewatch them. She said, they're Star Wars movies. I'd rather rewatch than these. 
Yeah, and in like we mentioned, like she didn't grow up she didn't grow up with like Star Wars being inundated in her life, so she has no right. like nostalgia or reverence for this right. film for these films. And I kinda of told her, I'm like, that makes complete sense. It's just, you know, and there are those movies like that. It's like if you don't have the nostalgia of them from growing up, you're gonna have a very different perspective. It's like what I have with Harry Potter. It's like I didn't grow up with this, so I watched the movies and I'm like these are fine movies, but I have no emotional investment in this. Oh man, you just you just described my conversations with my wife regarding Harry Potter. <laughs> right, like I'm, I, to the extent, like I'm so glad I, I married a woman that does not care about Harry Potter either. <laughs> I'm just like I don't know if I can do this. I uh, imagine how she feels with you in Star Wars, though. Like, oh no, I married right. a guy who's into Star Wars. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anything but, else to say for uh, uh, Empire Strikes Back, though? Yeah, like I said, like it's the earliest memory of Star Wars I have. I remember Yoda terrified me as a child. Yeah, he's a freaky little dude. <laughs> he's, a, he's so weird. If you watch it in context of all the other movies, he's so weird in this movie. But I like I I love like especially with the context of who he was in the past, like you know in in the Coruscant days, and uh, you know, and he's just like this wizened old monk. And then you know, in my head canon. He's just gone slowly mad over the last like eighteen years. <laughs> you know, he's like, he's like he's been alive for like nine hundred years, but these last eighteen, he's really lost. Oh, really rough on him, man. This is a this is a bad swamp. But uh, yeah, I just love like his introduction. He's just like this 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 dumb little weirdo who is actually supposed is actually like this powerful sage and like you know and and if you're watching them in release order and this is your first introduction to Yoda, uh. We'll get to uh, attack the clones a little bit later. So, like, uh, yeah, just keep that in mind. Uh, but yeah, I, I I I love Yoda in this one, and uh, he, yeah. he's, he's just like my definitive Yoda. Right. I I gotcha. And like I said, obviously the fight at the end between Vader and Luke is great, even though it is the twist that every person on Earth knows. Yeah. Did Taylor know it? Like she had oh, to, yeah, have, right? She, the, like yes, like like she knows like the cultural stuff. Like she knew who Yoda was, mm-hmm. and she knew about like uh, Luke I am her father, and like that's why we were watching the original movie. And she was just, and, and this one where she's just like, she's like, all right, she's like, it's still weird seeing Luke and Leia kiss. She's like, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, like I, that that probably wasn't planned from the beginning, you know? Right. I, I like her first thing where she's like, she's like, I thought we we're watching Star Wars, not Game of Thrones. Like, let's go. <laughs> Uh, I'm just I'm gonna, I'm gonna rank it up a little bit more because there is some Game of Thrones incest involved. So, uh. there you go. but yeah, <laughs> cool it's like, I think it's it's a classic, and like they can't, can't help but love it. Yeah, absolutely, man. Ready to move on? Yeah, I think so. All right, the thrilling conclusion of the original trilogy. We got Episode Six: Return of the Jedi, released on May 25th, 1983, directed by Richard Marquand. Daniel, I have this ranked. As my number one. Mike, it's my number one as well. Woo! There we go. Yeah, dude, culminations, man. Right. Uh, I guess I should say this, and I, Mike, you're never going to believe it. It's Taylor's number eight. <laughs> number eight. Okay, well, you know, I, I, at least they're getting better and better, you know? <laughs> right. That definitely brings the average bring uh, uh, down quite a bit, but not by much. Our, our average for, these, uh, for at least for, for this film <laughs> is three, which is good. Yeah, that's that's still very good. But yeah, it's like I had to think about it because, you know, going into this, like before me and Taylor watched these movies, I thought I knew the ranking. 
immediately. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, just put Empire Strikes Back at number uh, number one. You know, basically put all the original movies at the top three spots. So <laughs> they'll sort all of that later. Yeah, that's the safe answer, though. I feel right. Like, and, and that's how yeah, that's how I thought. Not watching any of these movies in years, we rewatched them, and I was like, that really messed with me. But I had to think like, Return of the Jedi is really the only movie of the Star Wars movies that makes me like really emotional. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there. Again, it's those culminations. Like you get payoffs to these storylines that were that were set up in the in in A New Hope, and. I think everybody gets a fitting ending. Uh, and, uh, and again, like if I, if you were to ask me to like, Hey, rewatch four five and six, I'm like, uh, like I would probably just rewatch six because I feel like that's the only one you need to, to watch right. in order to kind of get the whole story. Like you want more context, of course, but like if I were to rewatch and get like my original trilogy fill, it would definitely be return of the Jedi. Right. Because it's like, you get like, you get the culminations, like you said, like of Han and Leia's character arcs and their relationship. You get to see like you know, Luke fully becoming a Jedi, like the great, it's like you know the great ending up and like up with the Emperor Vader and Luke. It's just and uh, like I said, like the whole like I see you. Know, I guess if you want to call it a redemption arc, we'll get into it later. Why I really don't think Vader can be redeemed based <laughs> off what we know he does from other movies. But oh yeah, know, of course. Let's see if we're in this movie. But I, I just say it's like, and I say it's to me it's that ending. The ending. I like it. that that music. I don't know what that music. Is. I don't know if there's a name for that track. But the music that plays over like the celebration on the indoor man is like it gets me, it chokes me up when I when I watch that scene. Yeah, and you know we talk about how Mark Hamill has kind of gotten better and better as an actor too. You know, you don't talk about that end scene where he's just kind of looking at the funeral pyre and everybody else is just kind of celebrating. Like, you know, why would anybody else, you know, look upon the funeral pyre of Darth Vader with any sort of reverence other than Luke, right? But like you see right. him and you see these, you see his eyes like looking at him. And he has like this complicated look. And, you know, even though this movie was written by George Lucas to an extent, like if he had full reign of the script, he'd probably just say what his feelings are. But kudos to this film for just letting Luke Skywalker's eyes tell the story. Like he doesn't, you know, he has these complicated feelings about his father. He's, He's a space Nazi, right? But like he he knew that there was some good at him at least even if he even if it was just a little bit he was able to bring it out and that's what he's going to remember about his father. Right. Yes. Absolutely. Love that. Um, if you want uh, Taylor's also again Taylor said that she liked the acting she thought was great like she even said they said oh Mark Hamill is a lot better in this movie and so yeah. she's like there isn't much of that uh, George Lucasy dialogue <laughs> in this one. Yeah, you can tell that like the, over the last like six years of making these three films like. Or was it nine years? No, one, two, three, uh, four, six. Six, yeah, I guess. Six. It was six. So over but the yeah, last yeah. six years, like you can tell like they learned a lot. They learned they learned a lot about like special effects. They learned a lot about like acting and you know, people forget that like the original movie was an indie film, you know? Right. Like it and I said, like um, my wife wanted to look up, she was like, How much did it cost to make these movies? And like you look at it and like Return of the Jedi had like over double the budget of oh, the yeah. other two movies. Like until they put Lucas had a lot more money to throw around with this one. It's like, yeah, like the filmmaking is better. Like the costuming is great. And like I said, like 
that's a, yeah, I do agree that like my my wife said that she's like I can't like I think my wife actually said like I do like this one. <laughs> she's like she's like still not like my taste of if I want Star Wars movies, there's other ones I'd rather watch. But again, so at least we can all agree. Hey, I guess we all agree in a way. It is the best of the original trilogy. You and <laughs> all three of us can agree with that. At very that's least. true. That's true. Yeah, it, 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 very much so. That's, that's a very interesting ranking, at least. Um, uh, anything else to to say before we? kind of move on to the to the prequels though i mean uh um, i mean there's there's the um the the those teddy bears what are they called again oh the ewoks i love yeah. the ewoks yeah i, I don't have this things. i don't have this weird like the weird hatred that some yeah. fan, like fans are like, a lot of fans really like a lot of fans really they say that return of jedi is their worst one worst of their trilogy because they said it has a lot of that stuff they said like it's that kiddiness factor whatever they say that claims that this is what led to jar jar <laughs> You mean this the space movies for kids is has stuff for kids in it? For kids. Right. <laughs> I'm like, I have no shame. Me and my, I said me and my wife went down to Orlando. I got an Ewok to put in my to put in my, to put in the nursery. I don't care. Yeah, that that's that's what they're for. Like I, right, I, yeah, and I don't can we just get past this idea that if it's made for kids that automatically makes it less good? I don't we need to stop with that. I mean, I if if you're looking at the perspective of like, okay, episode 5 was like dark and serious well not not like i i get i get you know dark and serious for a star wars movie yeah but it but it does follow the three-act structure where the act two is supposed to be kind of like traditionally the where the characters are at their like at the the, their lowest their lowest yeah so i mean it's gonna feel darker of course because those characters end in a bad place so yeah if but if you look at the three act structure, they're supposed to overcome that in the third one, and it's supposed to be a triumphant hero's journey. So whatever, right? And, and honestly, can I say that I wish more movies would actually do that? Like, I this might be a whole other discussion, but I'm really burnt out on the fact that we're not allowed to have happy endings for characters anymore. Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's a time and a place for dark and brooding and sad stories, but you know, not everything has to be that. Um, maybe, it, it might just like, be because people are writing what they know and we do kind of live in dark times these days. Right. But it's just like to me it's I'm just like, you know, sometimes I like things like there's Star Trek or like Lord of the Rings where it's like, you know, the good guys are good, the bad guys are bad, let's feed the bad guys and have a happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like it's also you're pining for something simple at some points. Yeah. I mean but, not everything has to be nuanced and uh, you know, super complicated and in in you know emotionally gray all the time. Like if if you tell the story really well, it's going to resonate with people. And I think that's exactly. kind of the joy of these Star Wars films. You know, as cynical as I can be with them, like they're they're at least happy space movies. You know. Yes. Yes. All, all right, right, Mike. I think we're ready to move on, and I think this is <laughs> where uh, this is where we're getting into the thick of it. I think. All right. Well, I mean. I, I, Go for it. I, I think it's the the average for this one, I feel, is going <laughs> to be weird. This is going to be weird, absolutely. Uh, well, I'm going to start off here. We're here at uh, episode one, The Phantom Menace, uh, 1999, May 19th, <laughs> directed by George Lucas, dude. And, you know, this movie's been memed to death. Everybody hates it. Everybody has their takes on it. You know, it was definitely like the big revival. Star Wars is back, baby. Um, and, you know, it, it it came out and, you know, it, it it's a film. Uh, and, you know, I, I was an edgy 20-something as well, right? So, like, 
you know, I used to say yeah. things that like, oh, Star Wars Episode One's the fir- the worst thing that man ever created, and I'm right. including and, racism in that. <laughs> right, and I was the same way. Like, I went through a weird, like, random thing where I loved these as a kid, then I became an edgy teenager, and I was like, oh, these are so bad. And now I'm like an adult, and we'll, we'll see where I'm at now. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I definitely love to get your perspective as somebody who loved Star Wars all their life. And, like, these were your films, essentially. Like, you were the right. age for these films. So I definitely love to get right. your perspective. For me... I landed at number nine. Oh, okay. Well, it's my number seven. Okay. Number seven. Not too bad. Yeah, there, there's stuff to enjoy in this. Now, what does Taylor think about this? <laughs> Mike, it's Taylor's number two. Number two film. Wow. So, did she ever see this film? Ever? No. No. And like, and I Really? And I, I was really going and prepping her for like, a lot of people don't like this. And she watched it. And when we got done with it, she's like, I really liked that. Why don't people like it? Well, and her, like, well, like, uh, what, let's see, I guess I'll give her, her and she's like, well, she said, in my opinion, the acting was a lot better. That was okay. her take. And, right. and she's like, she said, aside from the opening scene, she thought, she thought Liam Neeson in the opening scene, she's like, all right, that, she was like, she's like what is that line delivery? <laughs> but she said, outside of like the opening scene, uh, she liked it. And she's like, I really like the pod racing. She's like, that was like my favorite thing in the movie. And I just always like, well, there is a, a fan base. Either you love the pod racing scene or you hate the pod racing scene. <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't think anybody can fault that pod racing scene. Like it is visually it's cool. stunning. It's exciting. It's exhilarating. Like the way that it's filmed. I know it's mostly CG, but like the way that it's filmed, like you feel like you're in, you're in that race with Anakin. And at any time something can go wrong. Like it is just masterful that, that that right. pod and, and her take that she did not get was she says why do people not like jake lloyd she's like his acting was fine she's like i thought it was good he's like i don't get it well he's a what six or seven when yeah, that... i think he's like yeah it's like eight maybe eight well that makes sense i mean he acts like an eight-year-old and he's yeah, he's and an eight-year-old like, that a... didn't have a lot of acting experience right like... and he's playing a kid and really when i started to look at it and uh, i was like i'm like yeah you know you're right it's like it's not like he delivers any, like the only line that I think is kind of like a little eye roll worthy is the, are you an angel? But I'm like, well, that's not his fault. That's a weird thing for George to write. <laughs> yeah. Keep in mind, George wrote, directed and edited all three of these films. Uh, so you, you, you try to give that line to freaking who's a good actor to Idris Alba. Can Idris Alba make that line sound good? I mean, probably. It's like, oh, you an like, angel. <laughs> <laughs> but so it wouldn't be any better written. It would just be the accent. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And that accent is just inherently sexy. Idris Alba, yes. if you're listening to this, give me a call. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, a lot of the problems with that movie really is like the scripting, the line delivery. Uh, oh, boy. The, the the most of the scenes are just people sitting around a room talking about politics right um, which i i will push back on i don't think that's that disinteresting if it could have been done better per- probably but i'm like i actually find the political intrigue of the prequels quite interesting yeah there's a lot of interesting stuff in there uh but i think i think at least those films th- those scenes could have been framed better like just the shot they, over shot they are shot very flat <laughs> yeah you're, it's just it's just a wide shot of a cartoon room with a bunch of people in awesome costumes talking about trade or whatever you know 
Right. So it's not and I, thrilling for you know, when I was at the age that I was when that was because I was a teenager when that came out. So, but but it's accented by like some awesome stuff, like this all the lightsaber. Anytime a lightsaber comes on, it's like, oh man, yes. this is the greatest and, movie ever. <laughs> right, and Duel of the Fates, you you cannot deny that that scene and that score, man. Like that <laughs> <is> <laughs> oh man, yeah. <laughs> anyone like, in the all human beings can hum that tune. It is so cool, <laughs> right? It is so great, and it's like. And I, and I know, I, I know, the fan base has a very vitriolic hatred towards Jar Jar. Yeah, let, let's talk about Jar Jar a little bit. Uh, you know, he's not a great character. And I, I don't, but I don't think he exists to annoy you. I think he really no. was just like, hey, kids, kids watch these films too. Let's give them a silly rabbit to, to, to to hang out with you know right it's like it's you know it's like he just wanted the new character to fill up because you know we don't really get a ton of r2 and 3po in this movie so i was like hey we need a comedy relief character yeah and i mean in the with the benefit of hindsight could they have made a better sidekick character oh yeah absolutely and right maybe some of those toned down some of those southern racist undertones that that made me very right. uncomfortable, and I, I I I picked up on that when I was a teenager. I was like, oh boy, I don't I don't like this guy's accent at all. <laughs> right, like, as a kid, I also I never picked up on it, so it's still harder for me to understand. I just can't go like, I guess I'm just a dumb white guy. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't click in my head the way it's for a lot of people. But I'm like, I, I won't say it's not there because I'm just a dumb white guy. But it's just like I was like, yeah, I never came across to me that way but like i said i don't know things <laughs> yeah and uh you know if you're the type of person who you know especially if you if you were like a teenager or a kid when the original trilogy came out and then you know you're a you're you're you're, you're an adult when the prequels came out and you wanted star wars to grow up with you i guess i can understand going into the prequel trilogy expecting that and not getting it and then having the reaction that you do, especially with the way that comedy and joke writing was in the 2000s and how we just kind of let, let awful things be said, you know? Um, so I get that perspective, I suppose. But, you know, if you look at it in hindsight, with the perspective, these are space movies for children and families, and these are pretty good, you know? They're, they're, there's some boring stuff, but there's some awesome action too, you know? At the end yeah, of the day, yeah. you're gonna come. You're gonna come away from it, like remembering a lot of it. It's gonna stick with you, and I think that's 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 not that's not worth nothing, you know. Exactly. All right, ready to move on? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, so just a you know another three year wait, just like with the original trilogy. We got Attack of the Clones, 2002, May 16. Once again, written, directed, and edited by George Lucas. Uh, just gonna come out and say it. This is my number ten movie out of eleven. Oh, dang! Uh, it is my number eight. Number eight. Okay, cool. You like this one a little bit better than Phantom, huh? Well, no, when Phantom was my seven, so it's right below it. I have put, I kind of put it right there. Yeah, yeah. Well, what does Taylor think? It's Taylor's number three. Number three. All right. I kind of, I, I want to say I know what her number one is now. Interesting. Right, and like I said, like I believe Taylor's perspective is that 
Oh, can I say I she likes the she likes the prequels because they fit more to her more modern movie watching sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's uh, what she her big takeaway from this movie was. Dang, Anakin is really horny. <laughs> well, he is. He, I mean, he 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 hangs out with a bunch of sexless sex sexless monks. Who tell him not right. to have sex and not to have any emotions whatsoever? And you know the and he and he's right in episode three. The Jedi are evil. <laughs> but yeah, it's like her takeaway was, and I yeah, you know, I don't really thought that much about it. And she's like, I don't see this at all. And at being like Andy trying to be romantic or emotional, she's like, he's just horny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a that's a that's a good take on it because like she's not wrong either. Like that, yeah, a, a lot of a lot of this is. A lot of the conflict in the prequel trilogies, especially from Anakin's point of view, is that like he he's a he's a big feeling person and he never had anyone in his life to teach him how to channel those emotions in a positive way and in a negative way. And then when he joined the Jedi society, all they did was tell him to like, no, shut it down. Like, no, this yeah, just you, suppress your emotions. Suppress your emotions. Like Yoda straight up says, like, yo, dude, just like hide that. <laughs> you don't need to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> right it's like and uh like and as she said this is the movie where she came up like she finds that might be leading a little bit but she finds anakin to be the most interesting character in star wars and she's like i she's like she finds this is an interesting i see a story in that regard yeah i mean it really is like the reverse story of uh of of luke right like where luke is where, where his story is the hero's journey toward towards being a jedi master and like this is the hero's fall from somebody who had great potential but then went about it the wrong way um or exactly. you know went about it in a different way and because and, and you could argue that like it's just the people around him that failed him and you know and my and, my wife absolutely argues that <laughs> oh yeah and 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 i argue that too it's just kind of a shame that like we're here in uh, in in the second part of a trilogy and like oh man I, I i don't care dude like this movie is i think the most boring it's not it, it, it's not my it's, least favorite but it's the most boring and by far inter- interesting i don't know if i can agree with that necessarily but it, it's long i think yeah, i said i think for sure i looked up it is the longest star wars movie i think and there's a lot of filler oh not yeah kind of, there's a lot of filler and like, I, like my wife as much as she likes this movie she will point out the parts that she thinks are absolutely silly she's like Based off what I've seen this movie, there is no reason these two should be getting married at the end of this movie. She's like, that comes right the crap out of nowhere. <laughs> well, there's also but, no reason why they, I mean, I mean, other than the fact that Anakin is in a sexless cult, but like, there's no reason why Anakin and Padme can't fall in love. What is the answer that Padme gives uh, Anakin? I'm a senator. What? <laughs> you're a Jedi. And you're a Jedi. And like, I get that. I get it. I get the idea that they're and he can't really be in a relationship. It makes sense that because he's a Jedi, because he's not supposed to form attachment. I don't know what her being a senator has to do with it, I guess, other than like, that's politically scandalous. I don't know. Sure. And also, maybe, and this is, all, this is the fault of the director as well, maybe don't put her in like really sexy, revealing outfits in front of the fireplace while they're hanging out. And she's like, and they're not supposed to like fall in love or whatever i don't know george right. maybe that's a conflict of interest <laughs> right but like i said like uh, she was uh, she made for that and of course we all have to come into agreement at the stupidest line in the star wars 
series. Man, I hate sand. Man, sand, that's, a, that's, a, that's quite a sand, right? You know, and, right. and again, in the hands of a better writer, like, that's, that scene could like, have been... I, I, yeah, because it's like, I get what he is going for. Yeah, the point, of, and, and I guess we can say that for the, for the listeners too, the point of hit that line, I don't like sand, it's coarse, blah, blah, blah. Like, he's trying to explain to Padme, I come from a different world as you. Like, I, I come from poverty. I come from nothing. Like, I was, I was born a slave. I left the planet as a slave. You come from royalty and riches. You don't see things from my perspective. You don't see the world the way I see it. And, like, again, right. from a, in the hands of a better writer, that sand scene could have been said a little bit right. better, you know? Right, and there are scenes between Anakin and Padme that I think are really good. Like, I like the one where they are kind of discussing politics, and he's like, and she. And he brings up the fact that the Senate's useless because it's just deadlocked by committees and it's just bureaucrats. I just saw anything. And he says, like, someone should make them agree. Someone should yeah. make them listen. And I'm like, okay, that's good because that sets up for the next movie really well. Yeah. It's like, like maybe, I really like Maybe we should try a little fascism. I don't know. Just, just yeah, a little. Like, I mean, guys, <laughs> yeah. The other scene that Taylor said that she's just completely scratched her head at was the scene after Anakin comes back after just straight up murdering all of the Tuscan Raiders. Mm -hmm. And, and he like, you know, he just, you know, again, it's like, in my opinion, I don't like the way he's acting. And acts that scene where it's like, like killed the, the women and the children. I'm just like, he's not delivering these lines the way I think they should be delivered. But, and then she goes like, I said, you shouldn't feel bad for how, for being angry, everyone is angry. And it's like, she's like, is she just giving him carte blanche to murder children? And then my, which my which Taylor brings up in the next week, she's just like, you know, I don't know how she can be surprised by this. She already knew he's done this. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, again, in the hands of a better writer, those lines could have been written a better way. Her reaction could, like, could have and should have been a lot different, right? And but she could have said it in a way where like okay i understand you know i understand that you're angry because the jedi have forced you to suppress all of your emotions and again you need someone to teach you how to manage these emotions again this this movie feels like a first draft movie like it feels right, like, like they, there is a great movie in here somewhere <laughs> yeah like like if they if they had like unlimited budget and they like film this as a first draft maybe like three or four more times like with some rewrites and some like reshoots or whatever, like this could have been an amazing film, right? Exactly. As it is, it is a flawed, but in my opinion, it's still enjoyable film. Yeah. Uh, one more thing before we move on here is that uh, uh, I hate what they did to Yoda. I absolutely <sighs> hate what they did to Yoda. He should have never been given a lightsaber. What 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 makes Yoda special is the fact that he taps into the Force unlike anybody else he doesn't need a lightsaber his fight with dooku at the end should have just been him like flinging stuff like not even like barely even moving and then dooku's like struggling to like keep up with him trying to get trying to get trying to get close quarters with him and yoda's just not having it you know and like that should have been i can totally see that yeah i can yeah. totally get it like, and now, it's and now he's just like... flipping around like a frog i'm like what is this <laughs> I said, I probably as a matter of perspective, I grew up with like all six movies kind of at the same time. Yeah, it yeah. Just, it, didn't, it doesn't appeal to me. And then my wife has complete opposite reaction. She's like, oh, so I get to finally see why everybody makes Yoda such a big deal. 
Because she's like, oh, he's actually doing something. And I'm like, there are some movies where he doesn't really do anything. Yeah, I mean, you, prior to episode two, like, yeah, you're, she's right. Like, Yoda is just talked about. We never get to see him in action. But I feel like, again, that could have been handled a lot better if they understood the character a little bit more. And, you know, that, that's just my dumb cynicism talking because, like, who am I to say I understand the character more than the person who created the character, right? I just feel well, like... Mike, you, that's, what, that's what podcasts are for. Come on. <laughs> George, if you're listening to this, should have did that scene different. <laughs> All right. All right. Ready to move on? Yeah, I think we're ready to. Here we go. The epic conclusion to the prequel trilogy, Revenge of the Sith, came out May 19th, 2005. Once again, written, directed, and edited by George Lucas uh daniel what do you think this one is for me uh let's see based on where you have it i'm gonna say like maybe four yeah you got it exactly all right, all right. i i think i yeah looking at what i think i know where things primarily rank uh mike it is my number two number two you know what that's a good spot for this movie based on like what i know about you and your love of star wars that's a great spot now what does what taylor put this <laughs> This is Taylor's number one. Ah, yeah, that's what I suspected. Yeah, man, this is this is ranked really high for all three of us. Yeah, and like I said, I and I think like again, it's the first Star Wars movie I got to see in theaters. Oh, cool! So that is obviously like a big deal for me, and it's just like you know, it's like I love the characters. Like I, I could probably or like recap this whole movie for you. Yeah, how much I love it and. And it has, in my opinion, my favorite and my favorite lightsaber fight in the Star Wars series for me. You mean that final Obi Wan Anakin one? Yes, yes, that is my favorite lightsaber fight in the entire series. Can I? Can I? I don't want to yuck your yum. I just feel like that one's a little overindulgent, and it could we could shave like five minutes off of that. Ah, <laughs> uh, I don't know, man. I think it's the perfect amount of indulgence. Oh, it, okay, it cool. Because the, there's so, in my opinion, there's so much happening there and there's so much character stuff you can feed in to it as it's going on that it's like i just get engrossed every time gotcha gotcha yeah i mean just just for me i guess because there's also other scenes going on too we're cutting back to them and then we're cutting to like another battle and then we're cutting back to them i was like okay is the fight over <laughs> like now they're just climbing a pillar for no reason what what is this <laughs> you know right and i felt I that in the theater too i was like how long has this fight been going on? <laughs> I, I'd say that's that's fair. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I guess we'll go to do it. I'll show Taylor as Taylor said that she thinks this is a very like Hayden Christensen. She she absolutely said that this movie helped show that she loves Hayden Christensen in these movies, and she's just like she loved everything about. It. And she's like her whole thing is she loves this movie, but she to an extent hates what they did with Anakin at the because she said my her biggest critique of this movie is his turn comes right the crap out of nowhere. It is hmm. not done well. She's hmm. like, she's like the way they, she's like, she goes, I don't like the way they did it. She's like, I think it should have been done better. Like they could have drawn it out a little bit more. I think her take is that she hates that it goes straight from as soon as like Palpatine has like thrown window out of the, out of the window. He drops to his knees and goes, what have I done? You know, he's very emotional. And then Palpatine says one more line. He's like, I will do your bidding, my master. And she just looks at me and she's like, what the, I think there needs to be something in between there. Well, I mean, I, I yeah, 
Yeah, I can see that. It does. It, 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 I guess it would feel a bit abrupt, but the movie's already like the longest of that trilogy. So maybe that's just a maybe that's just a direction thing to do. Like, oh, we need to, we need to we need to hurry up this transition so we can get to the Order sixty six stuff. Right. Right. It's like, yeah. I mean, I I would have really liked that kind of like fleshed out a little bit more too. But again, I think we would have had like a longer movie, which you know the movie's already kind of long. Um, and yeah, uh, I, 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 my interpretation of that scene is that like he already made up his mind a long time ago. That was just the straw that broke the camel's back, you know? Right. And I guess you could read it as like the initial what have I done is just like almost the anxiety of, oh, he actually did it. And he's like trying to process like, okay, what now? Yeah. Yeah. Like, how do I explain this to Obi-Wan? How do I explain this to Padme? How, like, how do I explain this to Yoda? Like, what's everyone going to think? You know, it's so like, he's already made up, uh, in my opinion, like he already made up his mind, like when he talked to him at the theater. And can we talk about that theater scene? Like, that that is, is a great scene. Oh my gosh. It's a, it's, it's unlike everything else in the prequels. I feel like it's subdued. There's a lot of like subtext applied to it too. Like, really well-written subtext. It's as if Palpatine is ex- is talking about a story that he did uh, to Anakin without telling him that he did it to Anakin. Uh, but like, right. oh man, what a... And, and like just the ambience and, the, and it's shot really well too, just with that weird opera in the background and the music. Oh, beautiful. Exactly. One of my, that's one of my favorite Star Wars scenes. Is that... Is that, that is, yeah, that is great. But yeah, like and she said, like, you know, she... Let's see. She uh, like I said, like Taylor just says she loves it. She's like she. That's why I get her only real criticism. She's just like she's just like ah, I love the first two thirds of that movie, and she's just like she said that kind of sours it a little bit, but she still likes it. And she says that she and your point saying that you know they had to hurry it up because it was one movie. Taylor's just like to an extent. She's like we could you could have made a trilogy out of everything going on in this movie. Release the Snyder Cut of Revenge of the Sith. There you go. go. But yeah, and it was just like, um, but yeah, it's like for me, man, it's like this movie hits right in there. Like great, maybe like really great acting. Like I don't, nothing comes to mind really as like those George Lucasisms seem to be cut down quite a bit. Yeah, and to George's credit, I think he did take some of those criticisms to heart when finalizing the script for this there are those george lucas isms especially when anakin like right before the final fight with anakin and obi-wan it's like if you're not with me then you're my enemy like yeah dude right. <laughs> like from my right. from my point of view the jedi are evil like <laughs> there <it what>? is. <laughs> I know my wife said, like, we watched that movie, and my wife was like, oh, that's where you get that. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's not a, it's, you don't say the metaphor, you just, you have to, anyway. <laughs> it's yeah, it's just like, yeah, and it's just like, and they're like, Taylor, I think Taylor did bring it up again, like, that the dialogue where he's like, I brought peace and prosperity to my new empire. And Taylor's just like, wait, is he already planning on killing Palpatine? She's like, if you plan on killing Palpatine, why did he wait 20 years to do it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because like, he, he didn't want to, he, he's just saying that to appease Obi-Wan. Like, he's still trying to play mind games with him. Like, it's like, there, again, there's a lot of great stuff in here. Just there's just some times where the writing just doesn't match what they're they want us to feel right. sometimes. And I think that makes sense. Like, is it if you 
like ever listened to an interview with George Lucas. George Lucas is a very stoic, non-emotional, very literal-minded man. So yeah. it makes sense that this is how he writes dialogue. He's like, just have them say what they're feeling, say what they're thinking. Maybe he shouldn't be a scriptwriter. I'm just saying. Yeah, I think like, I think he, I do. We all agree George Lucas should stick to being a cinematographer yeah. first and foremost. And to and be fair, I, this is all his idea too. A big ideas right. man. And I guess also to be fair, this is the last auteurist film in the Star Wars franchise. Right, but, uh, but I guess I'm trying to think of anything else I want to say. Oh, I gotta say I I love. Uh, I'm trying to think. Is it Ian Mc? Ian McDermott. Amy McDermott, yes, the guy that plays Palpatine. I love him chewing on the scenery. Oh my gosh. And that he... fight with me. So that is amazing. <laughs> uh, he, other than um, Ewan McGregor, Ian McDermott is like the highlight of these of these prequel films because he yes. is just so evil and he loves it. <laughs> right. But I just love that. And I think like Taylor brought this up as a, and, uh, as a, and uh, it's just funny that's like, it's like, oh, we can't figure out who the evil mastermind behind this war is. I'm like, you're <laughs> literally standing next to him. <laughs> is it the guy who looks and sounds evil? It's probably him. <laughs> right. All right. Cool, <laughs> man. Yeah, I mean, like this, this this was culminations in a different way, though. Like, and 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 I like that that this movie brought the pretty much the polar opposite energy of uh, Return of the Jedi, and I th- I think it I think it really capped out the prequel se- prequel trilogy in a in in a in a good way. Right. All right. So moving on now to the very contentious and very divided sequel, sequel, sequel trilogy. Like I said, you know, Taylor's ranking, you know, these are, these are the middling films for her. Uh, you and I are still kind of all over the place with this one. This, this will be weird yeah, to so talk they about. Can, they can rank anywhere. <laughs> so let's go ahead and fast forward now uh, to uh, Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. This is, we, we're living in a post-Disney world now. Uh, before we get to the ranking, Daniel, what's your uh, hype level going to this movie? Oh, man, I was very hyped. I, I went and saw it in theaters. So same, same. Up, I was really excited. And I, I do remember, like, my, I was just so interested. I'm like, where can they go? Because, you know, I've spent my entire childhood reading the, what is now the Legends canon. Like, mm-hmm. I was into that. I had toys and stuff. Like, I was so excited to see, like, what are they going to take? And I, I was really bummed when they said, like, okay, the, the stuff's being relegated to Legends, so we can do our own thing. But I'm like, okay, well, it's probably because they're just going to pick and choose. Because there's a lot of, you know, not great material in the extended universe books anyways. So it's like, yeah. just, I'm sure they'll take some points from here and there and this could be interesting you know i wasn't really familiar with any of the actors like john boyega daisy ridley uh i knew who oscar isaac was but that's about it yeah and they're pretty much following the same formula as the original trilogy too you take like one established up-and-coming actor and then surround them with uh some 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 newer faces as well so yeah i'm right there with you do like that exact same perspective you know star wars was Never like my favorite franchise to get into, kind of going into this a little trepidatious because of the Disney kind of like acquisition, but still excited, right? And like, like I, I love the idea, like, this is a new cast. It's kind of a soft reboot because we're going to, you know, we're bringing the legacy characters in and they're, they're going to kind of, and that's kind of like for the fandom to be like, okay, it's okay to tell new stories with these new characters now. Um, but, uh, you know, that doesn't really quite what we got with this film uh with that being said uh my ranking for the force awakens it's my number five film nice it is my number nine 
Number nine. Okay, you're a little you're a little down on it. What's Taylor say about this? It's Taylor's number seven. Number seven. Okay, cool. All right. So we're all kind of in the middle-ish with this film. And I think that's kind of where everybody really feels about it, in my opinion. Like, just from what I've been seeing in the scuttlebutt of the internet. Like, everyone kind of feels like, oh, yeah, it's pretty good. But nobody ever says this is their favorite. No. (laughs) So, no, not at all. Like, it's very... For me, it's very much like... I have a both a optimist, like a more of a fanboy of Star Wars attitude towards it, and then we're more cynical. More cynical, I'm like, oh look, they did a New Hope again, just not as good. Yeah, yeah, I, and and I'm, I mean, the fight choreography is much better than the New Hope. The 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 special effects, right. I, I think, is arguably better than the New Hope. Um, I, I'm, thankfully, they did do kind of like some practical effects on this film as uh, as well, but you know, it's mostly CG driven. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is basically the new hope, uh, a new hope, the reboot. Um, but I, I don't I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. Nor do I think there's anything inherently wrong with this film on its own. Right. It, it gets the where this trilogy goes can sometimes paint your perception of this movie. Is this a worser film in hindsight now? For you, I, I I don't think so. I'm just saying that you you would be well within your rights to say that you like it less after seeing where the trilogy goes. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I thought maybe this would have like ranked higher for you, po- uh, yeah. prior to future films. Right. I like not really like because like I said is like my my one is my list is very skewed as and I don't really dislike all but one of these movies. So mm-hmm. it's like. So you being at number nine, it's just like, it's just one that's like, you know, I before me and my wife rewatched these movies, I hadn't seen it since I saw it in theaters. Oh, okay. And I think that's kind of the issue from why I ranked it so low. The fact that I'm just like, I have had really just no desire to rewatch it, even though it's fine. But it's like, a Taylor's perspective would be, I guess, that it's the it's a new hope done again, but with better acting and visuals. <laughs> and, and she said, she said, she's like, I guess this is the closest I'm going to get to see them remaking the original trilogy. So she's like, so it's fine. Yeah, that, that's that's a very interesting perspective uh, for for Taylor, at least. Too uh, for for me, I since I have this ranked the highest, uh, like I, I I went into this like, or you know, after leaving the theater because uh, other than. Uh, return wait no revenge of the sith i saw this movie twice as well uh so yeah so i saw force awakens twice in the theater i saw revenge of the sith twice and twice in the theater and like i really enjoyed it on the, on like my, my second watch through now that you know when i n- knew the story and i just watched it again in the theater with my then girlfriend and we just kind of like picked up on stuff that like we knew was happening so we can pick up on like little details as well and like i i like all the new characters i think the the setup of them is all really cool uh it, it is kind of a shame that this movie does feel like it's just uh it, it it very much is like oh this is the first part come back come back later right and so it's it's not as satisfying in a way right you're right and like i said like i think if we can get down to my biggest criticisms is it feels like a lot of the characters like from, at least from the original trilogy they don't feel like they've changed at all in the past 30 years. I in thought opinion, it was very bold of this movie to to make uh, Han and Leia divorced or separated, whatever I, I the space equivalent is. 
Right. And it's a bold choice, but I just, I, and I get it, but there's something about it I don't like that they just made Han, like, regress so much as a character. Like, oh, he's a smuggler again, and him and Leia aren't together. And I do get a lot of that is probably from my growing up with the extended universe, and I had this head in my head what a post Return of the Jedi Luke and Han relationship is, and I can get why it makes sense in context of the movie. Everything we learn about Kylo and understanding that that can be a breaking point. I totally get it, but there's just something in the back of my head I just still don't really like it. Yeah. He, and also for people who don't know the, the 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 subtext of Han from this movie, he's running from his problems. That that's all it is, <laughs> right? I'm like, well, at least they don't ever come out right and say that. I don't think in the movie. So, well, again, George Lucas didn't write this. That's why, right? Um, so, <laughs> points there. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean that that that's that's a really good point to to to, to belabor on there. Is that uh, yeah they don't they don't really grow, and we don't get much of luke at all either right just from that except for that final scene um but um uh, but outside of that though i i think everything else was perfectly made to set up a new trilogy for a new set of fans and uh right. is that what we get though uh i don't know <laughs> i guess my i guess my only real frustration for with this movie is that like there's not really much to say about it it's just it's yeah. just a well-made movie you know yeah, that's that's kind of probably the worst thing to say about it is that there's not a lot to say about it. Yeah, I like all these new characters. I like where they're set up to go, but uh, I guess we'll see what happens uh, in, in future films, right? So uh, let's move on then to oh, The Last Jedi, everybody's favorite film. Everybody loves this film. This is like <laughs> arguably yeah. the best star wars film that's ever been made uh and actually it's kind of like of this of the sequel trilogy it's kind of like the only art auteurist one like it was it was written and directed right. and, and story uh by uh ryan johnson just like uh george lucas was did in prior films before uh tw- 2017 uh this uh, where do you think this is for me because i think it's the I'm same for guess you that's your number i think i'm guessing that's gonna be your number two. Oh yes my number two but for you it is my number five. Number five. Okay, yeah, that's what I was thinking too. So, Taylor, I'm guessing. Oh, let me let me guess. So she's got six and five left. Oh, they're kind of the same. And uh, same as you, five. Exactly. <laughs> nice. All right. Cool. All right. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what I expected. Actually, I kind of expected this to be a little bit higher for you, but. Uh, Maybe that's just uh, <laughs> my own wishful I mean, thinking. I understand, but my, I will defend this movie. I have, I, I think that's why I think this is easily the best of the sequel choices because at least it makes me think and want to, and I actually want to talk about it. Yeah, because I take this. I love this movie for being an anti-nostalgia film. It's anti-nostalgia. It takes risks. It does things with the characters that, like, I think, I think makes sense that people wouldn't have guessed if we're coming like and that's what i love about this film like it 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 it, it's not and it does all this without being in love with itself uh i've I've heard that criticism kind of thrown at thrown about it uh thrown out thrown at it um but uh this is yeah in my top three star wars films for a lot of reasons i i just love that it uh, it takes what you think you know about star wars and 
it kind of throws it on its head a little bit and it kind of questions things about star Wars. And in some ways that you probably didn't even think about like the war economy, like, Oh yeah, I never really thought about war profiteering in a star Wars film before, but this movie addresses it. Unfortunately, it doesn't go anywhere with it because no. the next they film, they just sent Finn on a wild goose chase for half this movie. Yeah. And I love the idea that like, like they said, like the Jedi are kind of weird and like, Luke understands that and he's been so like cynical about the Jedi order and not wanting to, uh, not wanting to rebuild it again. Cause when he tried, he had a moment of weakness and he almost killed his nephew. And in that moment of weakness, he created another space Nazi. Right. And right. like, and it's like, and I really love that. Like in the, it makes sense that when Luke built the Jedi order, he based it off of the clone wars era. Cause you know, You've seen all that from the original trilogy. He idolizes that era. Yeah. He idolizes Obi-Wan and his father and Yoda. But it only after it failed does he realize, like, oh, no, that is not a good thing to base it off. I'm like, yeah, don't base it off the order when it collapsed, man. Yeah, yeah. And I and and, and I wonder, because, like, a lot of people, Mark Hamill included, say, they're like, oh, I, I vehemently disagree with where Luke Skywalker went in this story. And I'm like, really? Because it, for me at least, it makes perfect sense. Like this guy yeah, is just so this. disillusioned with his ideology that he's built that he's built up in his head. He doesn't have any 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 other thing than some old books and what a ghost told him. You know, right? It's, but it's like, yeah, it's like you know, like I said, it goes back to the whole thing of I would probably in a front row refer to a different setup. For this trilogy but for the trilogy we got this makes perfect sense for his character for the, yeah for, as they've set it up and i, I feel and like I, unfortunately this movie is just stuck in a in a bad place like this movie could have been better yeah. in hindsight had it had a proper sequel you know right and it and it didn't it had a sequel that tries to pretend it didn't exist <laughs> like i love the opening of like because everybody criticizing like Okay, Ren's just start Darth Vader getting down to the stupid mask, and the first scene is Snoke's like, "Take that stupid mask off!" Yeah, and like, did I you not? That. And did you not see the prior film? Like, of course he's just Darth Vader again. That's the point of he's his a, character. He's a, he's a Darth Vader fanboy. Yeah, that, that that that's his way to connect with his grandfather is just to emulate him. Like, that's the point. You may not agree with it, but that's the point. Again, these are space movies for babies. <laughs> Like, I get so frustrated with people. Right. It's just like, it. it's like, I love a lot of it. And I love the ending with Yoda coming in and just like, burn all of the the Jedi. (laughs) It's just like, you know, maybe it's time we just start over. Because you know what? It didn't go well last time. Yeah. The sacred texts. Uh, but <laughs> one of my f- favorite line deliveries in all of Star Wars. Uh, but it is great. Yeah, and, and Luke himself has a redemption arc over here, and like, and that, f- and that fight between Luke and uh, Kylo Ren, I love a lot too, yes, and I love the reveal. Love and I remember, th- I remember being in the theater, and I, they did a close up again. This is just great visual storytelling. They did a close up of their feet where they were getting into their stance, and then you know it was already established where that soldier was like, mm, "Oh, this is salt." And then we see the footprints that, that that turn red, right? And then Kylo Ren moves his foot back. We see the dirt getting pushed up against his heel. And then we see Luke do the same thing. No dirt. And I thought, like, and I looked at, it, I was like, what the heck was that? A was that a 
CGI mistake. And then I, and then I started thinking about like they because they, they mentioned like astral projection or something because you know that's how Ray and uh, Kylo Ren were talking. And I was like, oh my god, he's not actually there. And I noticed that like they're not actually fighting; like he's just dodging all of the attacks. And I'm like, oh my god, he's not actually there. And like I thought that was an amazing right. reveal. So cool. Right. Yeah, exactly. And like, me and my wife watched it. Like have that scene where Kylo like finally like slices you know so he slices through him and he doesn't affect him and just, just looks at me like wait what <laughs> and she's and it was really after she's like that's so cool and that's like what why, why taylor said that this is her favorite movie from the from the sequels because she's like it did a lot she's like yeah it did a lot of stuff i wasn't expecting it to do yeah and maybe that makes people mad because they want star wars to be a certain thing but at the same time grow with them and also i feel like on that point this is the most like grown-up star wars too this is the most like mature thought-provoking one of them all i feel and yeah i would say i would say so like that's a lot of deep themes and like and i and i appreciate that's like you know the it fits that second part of trilogy it's like the good guys don't really get the win in the end it's pretty you get left at a pretty dark ending yeah and then the and then the hero that you guys were all waiting to see again like unfortunately he dies and like i thought that was pretty bold too like a pretty bold choice to make and that that's not something i expected from this film either and you know and 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 another criticism i've heard thrown around like oh it subverts your expectations just to subvert your expectations no it doesn't no i i i don't agree with that either and you know there, there are like legitimate you know criticisms on this film and like and i and i totally get it too like is this movie perfect no it's not perfect and i think the weird side quest with finn and rose is like ah that that didn't need to be that long you know it, but, it didn't really need to be in the movie at all honestly but. true yeah because they don't really get yeah they don't they don't succeed at their mission so they just kind of right, should have stayed it, on the ship <laughs> right like it doesn't make any sense that they even did this but yeah it's like overall like i again like I'm saying having watched to me something that subverts your expectations just to subvert them doesn't hold up on rewatches. This movie holds up on rewatches. Yeah, yeah. So you know, this movie is gonna be in the Star Wars fandom, the for for good or for ill, right? And if we had gotten a proper sequel to this story, I feel like maybe a lot of people's opinions on this film would have been, um, you know. Uh, it more in favor i suppose but i, I think right. as it is i think people are just going to look upon this as like the dark sheep the, the black sheep of the trilogy um of, of the sequel trilogy at even least. though even though it is our golden calf of the <laughs> <laughs> right you know but uh whatever dude like it, it holds a special place in my heart and, it, and it's it, it's cool to at least talk with somebody who holds it in like a similar reverence exactly no, All we, right, Mike. You know what we don't hold in similar reference? <laughs> and <laughs> if I'm doing the math correctly, it looks like this is everybody's number, number 11. 11 film. Uh, the Rise of Skywalker, dude. Oh, oh, I could be my. wrong. Like Taylor might think. No, no, no. Okay. You're, you're right. You're right. <laughs> it's 11 across the board. Every fear that I had of Disney taking over Star Wars came true with the rise of skywalker this is the most soulless corporate shill movie that i've ever seen and it is and it's it's almost 
like I was almost embarrassed like leaving the theater because like I don't want anyone to know that I watched this film. <laughs> I was like the 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 script didn't even try. There are lines like somehow Palpatine returned and we're supposed to take that seriously. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's you it might you have to it's like you have to take in the out material out front outside the movie to understand what's going on because i because like i guess i didn't take into that material so i went and go into it and then i realized like oh, they never actually explain it in the movie do you know like, where you they like, explained it uh it's in some of like the shows or something it's like the idea that they've been making clone body after clone body of palpatine for him to eventually like go over and he's just been like an evil force ghost right right they explain that post this film but prior to this film do you know where they explained it that palpatine has returned i don't remember you will never guess dude it was in a a comic book oh that would make sense no that it was in a fortnite cutscene that's right the video game free-to-play shooter fortnite had a cutscene event where people go to a place and they and they and they hear the announcement that palpatine has returned in fortnite (laughs) doesn't that make perfect sense for the rise of skywalker dude Oh my god! And like, the thing is, like, <laughs> someone, I thought they explained better because, like, the whole reveal that Ray is Palpatine's granddaughter, and then my wife was like, "Did Palpatine have kids?" And I'm like, and I was like, "Well, no. It's like one of his like genetic clones that escaped and got married and had kids." And I and she's just like, "The movie did not explain." It's like, "Yeah, I know the movie didn't explain that." Well, they they explain it and then shoo it away for literally like less than a minute. It's in a, it's in a freaking like, and then this happened, and then we see young Palpatine clone like leave and give his daughter to that guy in Jakku, and then that's yeah. it. Oh, it's just like <laughs> this movie is exasperating. Yeah, just explaining the plot is like mind numbing because. Right. All of the like, goodwill, like all of the great choices I feel like they made in The Last Jedi, and one of them was being that, hey, the Force can affect anyone. You don't have to be from this one magical Skywalker family to be, you know, in tune with the Force. You could just be nobody. And all the stuff that, like, Kylo Ren kept, like, what he thought was insulting to Ray, like, hey, you're nobody, you're nothing, like, was actually feeding into her character. Actually, no, she's Palpatine's granddaughter. Right, and I hate again. I did this. This is one of those where I didn't think I hated it so much. Then we start talking about it, and I get more angry. <laughs> but it's like I hate that. Like it's just like to me, this movie just felt like J.J. Abrams throwing a, a hissy fit that he didn't get to do his middle of the trilogy. Because just like the oh, first few minutes of the movie, it's just him undoing everything, like having Kylo reforge his helmet. Oh my and then gosh! Like, and I, 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 I just like. This movie really proved I really don't like J.J. Abrams as a as a creator. I really don't. And this movie is what really made me realize that I don't like him. Yeah, like all of the choices made in this film are just baffling to me. Because like, how did how did this get through through approval? How did this go up the chain of command in, on the creative process and get a final approval? Like, how, where did this come from? Where did like did Kathleen Kennedy give really give the okay? on this movie because it's so I'm like, Im- 
embarrassingly bad. It is one of, if not like the bottom five worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Right. It's just like you said, it's just like it's so much and like and my wife probably like this game. My wife loves Anakin, right? And she's like, doesn't bring Palpatine back like wholly defeat his whole purpose? His of sacrifice? Anakin? Yes, it does. And, and, and the whole thing of him being like brings balance to the force, like no, when we just redo this thirty years later. Somehow Palpatine returned. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, oh. again this this movie exists only to sell t-shirts to little kids this that's right. the only reason this movie exists it is no other create there is no creative spark to this film right and it's like i and i really feel bad because it just feels like everybody got shafted like like Oscar Isaac and John Boyega just got shafted, and in, in, especially in this movie, they get nothing to do. Yeah, and especially and that actress who plays Rose Tico, like who got like bullied off of social media too because of the Last Jedi. Like she was just written off screen, like, and then right. she has nothing to do. Maz Kanata, who was like one of the more interesting characters in The Force Awakens, who I feel like should have had a much bigger role. She was written off, I guess, also, but by the in the previous film she's barely in this one and like and if you're if you're looking if you're gonna zoom out and look at the real world like daisy ridley has come out and said like no one will give her work after this movie like her yeah, her career is over right and john boyega's career sure is over yeah and like and, well and it's been blackballed by hollywood yeah and yeah it, and it's just there's there's a lot more stuff about that for john boyega too like he's he's been blacklisted for like for you know standing up for black rights so you know there's there's that layer as well but yeah this right. the, 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 I don't, there's nothing redeeming about this film you know if you take if you look if you look at the film that i have right above this which is attack of the clones like at least there's interesting things to talk about with that i don't i'm not angry talking about attack of the clones i just think that movie is right. kind of boring right and then when we get to my number 10 I don't get angry talking about that movie either. It's just, it's, it doesn't need, it has no reason to exist, but it mm. doesn't make me angry. Awesome. Well, you know what? To save ourselves from some anger and, and cause I, we could do a whole freaking podcast on like the failings of the rise of Skywalker dude, but like, there's no reason to, cause like, it's not going to fix anything. It's a, it's part of official star Wars canon at this point and whatever, if they do films post this, they're going to have to Which contend. They're planning to. Oh yeah! Apparently, apparently, Ray sure. is gonna do a Jedi Order the, film. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be Star Wars Ten. They've already they haven't given like a subtitle, but Star Wars Ten. Okay, well, I mean, like if they do do that, and Daisy Ridley does come back as Ray, which I hope she does, because like she deserves way better. You know, right? She deserves a redemption. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, whatever they do, like I hope that they learn from this movie, which is really all I can say about it now like let this just be a lesson to not just star wars but all of the other franchises out there this is just like what not to do this is the worst case scenario of what you could do to a fandom exactly <laughs> all right so so now that we're not ending on a really 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 bad note let's move on now to like the, the a star wars story film we got rogue one and solos let's start with the first one here uh kind of cool actually th you know thinking about this film how it was like a theatrically released kind of side film that wasn't like part of the main 
you know, Skywalker canon a little, you know, at least. Um, So I thought it was a cool, very bold experiment for Rogue One. Um, The film itself, though, uh, I'm going to give this. Oh, gosh, my formulas on my Excel spreadsheet is going are going crazy. I'm going to give my number seven right in the middle. Nice. It's my number six. Number six right in the middle. I like it. What about Taylor? Taylor, it's, it's number four. Oh, cool. Wow. She liked it the most out of all of us. Cool. Yeah. And uh, I think her take was that she thought it was like a really, you know, when she liked that it was like a self-contained story to an extent. I know it is, it does lead up into A New Hope, but she's mm-hmm. like, she likes the character. She said it was very, it, she said it was a very emotional story. And she's like, and nice. And she was happy. She's like, oh, that's why people like Darth Vader. Like, that's cool. Yeah. Like Darth Vader is menacing again for the first time in like 20 years <laughs> uh but right. yeah so that really cool ending sequence um i like the characters this is probably i mean say for the movie i just watched today like this is probably like my least watched star wars film though yes same same like these two the star wars story movies are definitely the ones i've watched the least yeah and what what do you think that is do you think it's just kind of like do these do these stories need to be told like I don't have you seen. By the way, right. have you seen Andor? I have not watched Andor yet. It is still on my list of things to watch. Okay, yeah. Our, like I, I remind you, watch this movie. Yes, Thomas continually beckoned us to watch Andor. I'm like, yeah. I will get to it. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if like watching Andor will like color our opinion of Rogue One a different way. Um, but anyway, yeah. Go ahead. Go. You you, you were saying though. But yeah, it's like I I really liked that. Uh, as I said, like the characters all really were, and I think like it's just you know it's not one of the main stories though. I think that's why I just a lot of people don't think of it that highly. Even though, like I said, rewatching it, I'm like that's a really good movie. Like I like all of these characters. I do have some nitpicks, obviously, but I think it's a, still a good movie. Yeah, and you know I don't know if they could have made other you know movies or maybe it would have been prequels, right? But like based on this cast, but like, I really like Jin Erso. I think she's a really cool protagonist. Uh, like I will uh, maybe would have wanted her to be fleshed out a little bit more, but it maybe save it for a Disney plus thing. The, the millions of Disney plus things that we're getting for star Wars, you know, of course we got right. Andor as well. So I, I, I'd be interested to catch up on that at some point, but for a self-contained little thing that has, you know, a great three act structure, it's got like compelling characters. It's got, great tension like i you know because we don't know who these characters are they they don't necessarily have the plot armor uh of 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 anybody that we we if we would have recognized them from the from the from any of the main films or something so that leaves you as a fan of the star wars franchise is like i i i'm nervous for these people who who lives who dies they all die uh but (laughs) but yeah that i mean that that's something at least is is new and refreshing for the series but at the end of the day like if you were to tell me to plot it out bit by bit i probably couldn't do it <laughs> i just know the broad right, strokes no. of the story exactly like is it and i like that i think it's a really good movie uh overall uh my big nitpick is definitely uh the scene with the uh, force whitaker's character it does that thing that i hate where it's like the go you have to leave me and i'm like but why <laughs> you could just get on the ship with the rest of them Daniel, he's he's like half robot. He's very heavy. <laughs> but yeah, he, like that, he does have a he, he does have like a grappling hook, though, right? Like he could have just gotten out of there. 
Right, yeah, it's just like I don't, I don't think this needed to happen. But okay. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, unfortunately, I just really don't really have too much to say. I, I liked it for what it was, and you know, I hope we do get more like one-off stories that are theatrically released, at least. Yeah, like I said, like maybe we will. I, I know, like the reaction to Rise of Skywalker really made them temper that, and they were like, maybe we just make these Disney Plus series instead. Yeah, yeah. yeah like that- I think originally. Like I think originally the Obi Wan series was supposed to be a movie, but they kind of backed off on that since the movie after Rise of Skywalker. Like, we'll just make it a show. I saw online that somebody made like a movie cut of the Obi Wan show, and I have that downloaded, uh, and I just haven't watched it yet. <laughs> Maybe I will. Maybe I will this week. I think that'd be really cool because I think the show is pretty good. Yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, I've heard good things about it, but uh, I just haven't dived in yet. Uh, so let's move on now to the last movie we're going to talk about for this ranking, Solo, a Star Wars story. This is the first time that I really noticed myself rolling my eyes at a movie announcement. I'm like, okay, this is a movie that no one asked for. Uh, why, <laughs> why are we getting this? Um, but uh, what, what, what about you, Daniel, when they announced uh, this Han Solo prequel? Well, I didn't feel the need to see it in theaters. Okay, cool. When when did you I, end up I, seeing it? I ended up watching it when it was on Netflix for a little bit. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Uh, and this was part of your um, rewatch with your wife, right? Yes, yes, it was. All right, cool. Uh, so for me, I went ahead and gave this an eight. I kind of feel the same way about it like I do Rogue One. I was like, okay, well, it's, it's not a bad film, you know, but there are better ones. What about you, Daniel? Right. It's my number 10. Number 10. <laughs> I was not. I guess I should have looked at your ranking. I didn't see that there. All right, cool. What about Taylor? It's Taylor's number six. Number six. Okay, cool. So me and Taylor are about the same on this on this movie. Tell me why it's your number 10. I just, it just doesn't need to exist. And I just have no emotional connection to anything going on. Yeah, I mean, you know, going into it, too, unless you don't know anything about Star Wars. It's like, well, Han's going to live. Chewie's going to yeah, live. live. Lando's they're gonna, gonna live. Get, they're going to get the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, and you know, watch this movie's very fresh in my mind. I just watched it today. But uh like this movie kind of reeks of you point to the screen because it's the thing you know. Like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah, that that's all this movie is to me. And it's like again, I don't think it's a terrible movie. It's just I don't have I guess I don't have any feelings towards it really. <laughs> Yeah, and and again, like Han Solo has a lot of screen time. Like, did we really need to know what he was like in his twenties or whatever age he's supposed to be in in this? Right, and did we really need like a love interest that we know is not gonna go anywhere? Well, I mean, like they have that uh, what do you call it, that cliffhanger at the end? But you know, again. She's not a member of the original. Right. Th- cast. That's what I mean. It's like, we know they don't, they know their relationship doesn't really go anywhere. Because I'm like, well, he ends up with Leia. So <laughs> well, it, I mean, but on that note, like, it's great to see Amelia Clark again. Yeah. I mean, that's good. I honestly, for, I tell me why I watched it. I forgot she was in this. <laughs> hey, I, yeah. And, and I saw, I remember seeing a trailer for this. Like, wait, is that Paul Bettany? I'm like, and they're like, oh, wait, is that Donald Glover? I'm like, oh, wait, is that Woody Harrelson? I'm like, like right, they literally went all out with the casting for this one. Yeah. But, you know, uh, I'm watching this and like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of rolling my eyes. I'm like, really? We need a 
we need to we need to know where his dice came from <laughs> like right, oh the really dice that honestly i don't really remember until the sequels like does like, oh, not prominent yeah does anybody have an emotional connection to han solo's dice <laughs> like what <laughs> it's like i i wouldn't think so but like i think the only thing that i thought was kind of cool as we was the like ending or you get like the reveal of who is actually in charge of the best, oh what was they called Chris and Don yeah yeah with the with the, with Darth Maul like was that something that you kinda... oh yeah I already knew that going yeah I already knew that going because I watched Clone Wars oh okay so yeah so I I've heard that like Darth Vader I'm sorry Darth Maul is still alive I I didn't expect him to show up in this movie and I did do the like oh it's that guy I know <laughs> so maybe it was just more of a surprise for me because I don't I've never watched the cartoons or anything like that right but, uh, he he's very like they did a whole arc in like clone wars of him like being like uh of his return and everything which i thought was pretty cool like and he's he's also a, the one of the main villains in the rebels show from what i've seen oh interesting so yeah i'm glad that they're not done with darth maul because he was you know a fascinating character uh or a fascinating mysterious figure in the phantom menace we just never you know, he, he he really should have been the main villain of the of the of the prequel trilogies. I I agree. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, like my opinion of the solo film is just like, sure, dude. Like if you if you never seen Star Wars or like maybe the sequel trilogy is your introduction to them, and you still haven't seen the originals, and like you're really fascinated by that old han solo guy like hey maybe learn about him here <laughs> or maybe watch some better films i don't know <laughs> yeah i would go with that one all right cool man hey i think me being on my best behavior really worked out best for really worked out great for this episode <laughs> yeah i think i think you you are not too snarky okay i mean just just where it mattered <laughs> but the uh, going right. going forward though daniel i mean like star wars i know you you, you kind of gave your thoughts on your, your thoughts on star Wars, how, as it is now going forward though, like what's your perspective on star Wars, like any new films, any new shows, like where does it kind of sit in your heart? I, I think really where star Wars is right now, it's like nothing new is coming out. is going to hit me the way the first six movies did. And I, I think now I kind of treat it just like, you know, post infinity saga MCU. I'm like, it's an event. I'll probably get around. I'll get around to watching it eventually. I don't, feel the urge to like watch it as soon as it comes out but it's mm-hmm. like i'll get to it i'll intake it i'll be part of the zeitgeist yeah yeah and and again i'm right there with you like there's th- there is that ickiness about like oh this these like, it doesn't matter what director is attached to it what actor is attached to it like at the end of the day like this in this post disney world it's like these are just meant to sell lunch boxes and backpacks like I really do feel like the creative spark is kind of mostly gone now. And I felt it again with like the last Jedi, but then, you know, of course, like, and, and, you know, there's still stuff in the last Jedi. I'm like, okay, well this is to sell lunch boxes, but like there, there, I, I, I just want that feeling again. And I know our friend Thomas is really urging us to watch Andor and I've heard really good things about Andor, but like, am I going to love that? I don't know. Cause like, the last time Star Wars got me excited again was like The Mandalorian, which I feel like was like, okay, this is a Western, but like Star Wars, right? Yeah, and they, I like they, the, 
Go ahead. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, and it'll end the fight again. The first two seasons are good. I have not seen season three, so I'm not up to date with it. Yeah, and like they they kind of took Star Wars and gave it like a new genre. So like I just want to feel that like wide-eyed optimism about Star Wars again. And maybe it's just because I'm in my mid-30s and the world is on fire and like I, I everything about the world scares and frightens me that these days. So maybe I'm just not in the right mindset anymore. But like I I want my escapism to, you know, take me somewhere to a galaxy far, far away again, man. And like I just haven't felt that in a really long time, and I don't know if I will feel that ever again with Star Wars, which is a shame. Right, that that's fair. It's like now, I guess for me, it's like I can maybe hope that like maybe I can relive some fun optics of Star Wars through my kids. <laughs> that's a my, great my point, son, dude. Right, because my son already like he because uh, they released recently a Disney Plus show about Star Wars that is targeted at pre K age uh-huh. and he loves it and he's even got more like again we have are we've done our nursery for the upcoming baby it is star wars themed like we did that and he will walk in there and see the star wars stuff he will point to darth vader and just say star wars yeah like, he, he, doesn't, that's awesome. he doesn't do it he doesn't do it for like hardly any of the characters. it's baby yoda and <laughs> and say and darth vader but he knows he goes like i know that's star wars I'd be really interested to see like children of today, what their opinion of the sequel trilogy is. Right. And I feel like it's just going to be, it's probably going to be the same thing that like people my age say about the prequels. I'm totally expecting like kids growing up like right now when with the sequel trilogy to grow up loving them because that's their nostalgia. And I'm like, and my to be, and you know, that's valid for you, man. Like I, I can't agree with it because I'm not, I wasn't, I just thought where I'm at, but like, I can see it happening. Yeah. And I wonder if even the rise of Skywalker might be seen with some sort of reverence when these kids kind of grow up into their twenties and thirties, right? Like, Oh, it's like, Oh yeah, it's not maybe the best written film, but like, Oh man, the, that action scene, like, Oh, remember when they were like, blah, blah, blah. Like, Oh, remember when Kylo and, and Ray were like fighting side by side, like, you know, they might see some of those scenes with a little bit like rose tinted glasses, or maybe they just genuinely love it. Right. So like, I'd be interested to, to, to see from that's something I didn't think of either. Cause like my daughter isn't like crazy about star Wars. Like she likes it. I, it's kind of like with, 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 with your wife, I guess maybe when Taylor was my daughter's age, she's just like, Oh yeah, it, it's around, but you know, it's not like her favorite thing in the world. Yeah. That's, that's, that's fair. All right, man. Thanks for doing this with me, dude. Like, we finally got this Star Wars thing out of the way. And now we don't have to be... Now that we ripped the bandit off, we can just do more Star Wars stuff down the down the line. But we already did all the movies, so I don't know what else is there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and unlike our MCU ranking, I'm not sure I can... It'll be a long time before we can do a Disney Plus show ranking because I'm <laughs> far behind. I'm far behind, and I do not have unlimited time to catch up. All right. Stay subscribed to the Dorkiest Podcast when when we rank Ahsoka episodes. Daniel, what's your favorite episode of Ahsoka? (laughs) Hey, that's my favorite Star Wars character, so I'm excited to watch that show. I think Ahsoka is dope. Like, I don't have any reverence for like the Clone War stuff, but like you know everything that I know about Ahsoka and seeing her in the Mandalorian, like, yo, that character's dope, dude. But uh, yeah, I'm interested to see it just from an outsider's perspective too. Whenever that show comes out. Um, but Daniel, as we round out the end of the episode here, what you got there, my friend? Well, Mike, uh, let's see. Since uh, I'm sure, I mean, as you and 
our friend Adam has discussed on your other more popular podcast. Uh, it's, it, it's a, it's a, I added that one to the for the bingo card, by the way. I just saw that one today. Nice. <laughs> That's it. But uh, it's been kind of a dry spell for new music. So I've been trying to find something to keep me entertained as I am in the, we're in the dead middle of slow season at work and I am trying to find the will to live every day I go in. <laughs> I, say, I need to find something new to entertain me. So I went back and re-listened to a podcast series that I had not listened to in a while and it really had love for it. So I have the History of Rome podcast. Oh, heck yeah, dude. That's awesome. The History of Rome Yes, it is a let's see, it is about hundred and eighty nine episodes. All right, all right. You're 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 you'll be there for a while. Yeah, it's hundred and eighty nine, like about thirty minute episodes on average. That's and a lot of podcasts. That is it's a lot of podcasts. I believe the guy said we got done, it was like seventy four hours of podcasting. Man, you're just a history what? nerd though. So like this is like I, right I up your alley sorry. though. Right, and I listened to this podcast way back in back in the day, not when it came out, because it ran from like 2007 to like 2012. I want to think. I think yeah, it took about like it took like either four or five years for the guy to do. Dude, I just found their their TypePad website, the History of Rome Dude, this podcast is ancient, bro. <laughs> yeah, like sorry, TypePad like he. I think he even said that on one of his newer podcasts, he's like, I've lived through the whole life cycle of when you tell somebody you have a podcast, they go, what's a podcast? <laughs> and then he went through a period of like, I have a podcast. Like, oh, that's really cool. And now when he says he has podcasts, like, well, yeah, everybody has a podcast. <laughs> Dude, he has some of these episodes on archive.org. <laughs> yes, yeah. It is old school, Mike. It's old school. That's awesome. And like, those were... Sh- those first few episodes are kind of rough, and even he will say, like, for new listeners, he's like, if you don't mind, maybe jump in at episode 10. He's like, where the audio quality gets a lot better, because this went from a part-time job to where now this man is just a full-time podcaster and author. Wow, that's so, awesome. Is he, like, a history, like, professor or something? Or No, he's just, you know, he's just a dude that lo- that likes history and decided, like, I want to do this podcast. That is <laughs> and awesome. And I want about this and now he is like he's now writes history books and is a and has been on like I think on the New York Times bestsellers list. Oh, that's so and cool! Like, like one of my favorite things in the whole wide world is like listening to nerds nerd out about like their favorite thing to nerd out about. It's like such a right. fascinating thing for me to listen to. Right, and like I said, it covers a lot of ground. Like I believe it goes from like the founding of the city of Rome, and you know, with that's basically just like ancient mythology mm-hmm. at that point, all the way to the collapse of the Western Empire in like the four hundreds AD. So it's like that's a lot of time you have to cover. So is it strictly just the history of Rome, or is that just the name of the podcast? And he just he that, talks that, about different civilizations as well. No, that is just that is all this podcast is because he wow. started a new podcast after he finished after he finished this one. Wow, which that I'm is sure awesome. I'm sure I will bring up on a later what you got there. But, yeah, fascinating but yeah, stuff. Like, yeah, I, I will be sure great. to link it. I'll, I'll be sure to link uh, the 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 Spotify uh, link to subscribe to them over in the description below. So be sure to check that out, folks. I don't, I'll I'll be sure to check out a few of these episodes as well. Most definitely, because like it's so interesting. I really like the parts that are like the 
parts that you don't really hear about because you know everyone knows about Julius. I mean, if you have basic understanding history, you know Julius Caesar. You know that's the obvious stuff. But it's like you start getting into like the parts of the Roman Empire that no one ever talks about, and you just find these people that almost to me seem like cartoon characters, but they were <laughs> real people. I mean, one day people are going to look at our history and then think like, "Oh, really? That guy was president? That guy seems like a <laughs> <laughs> like a like a buffoonishly." awful super villain from like a superhero comic <laughs> right but yeah it's like i i love it as like if you're a history buff and you have a lot of time on your hands like i have that's <laughs> like, like month at work uh, that's a there you go awesome recommendation my friend all right mike what you got there you know, you wouldn't guess by looking out your window these days, uh, sounds like from where you live and even where I live, uh, but the, the weather is going to start to get warm pretty soon. Uh, so I, I, I swear it will one day. Like, you know, with, the, with summer uh, right around the corner, just this next week, the summer solstice is on the 21st. Uh, I've got uh, another recipe for you. I brought a recipe before on the show. I want to bring you guys something, uh, something easy that I feel like anyone can do, and with the you know summer right around the corner, something nice and refreshing for everybody. So I've got two ingredient with an asterisk on it, two ingredient homemade ice cream. So the only special equipment that you're going to need is either a hand mixer or if you have a stand mixer that will work, that will work with 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 the with the whisk attachment. So what you're going to need two cups heavy whipping cream, and a 14-ounce can of sweetened condensed milk. That's all you're going to need for this recipe. So I have it at an asterisk because that's your base of your ice cream. Once you get the base out, once you get the base done, boom, you can, you, you can just like make whatever ice cream you want. So here's what you do. Two cups of whipping heavy whipped cream, put that into a big bowl, either with your uh, stand mixer on the whisk, with the whisk attachment. You're going to whisk, you're going to whip that together uh, until you get soft peaks. Once you get soft peaks, you're going to pop open that can of that 14 ounce can of sweetened condensed milk. You're going to drizzle that in. You're going to continue whip. You're going to continue whipping that together. And then until you get stiff peaks. Now that is your base of the ice cream. I would also add like a teaspoon of vanilla extract if that's what you want. Here's some recommendations for you guys after you get your base. Uh, let's make some, uh, let's make some Oreo cookies and cream ice cream. So what I do, I prep it beforehand. I take like maybe 10 or 12 cookies for uh, Oreo cookies for the, uh, for, for, for what this recipe is a perfect amount. So you're going to, you're going to separate everything. You're going to take the cookie part and you're going to take the cream part out, put all the cream part out in a micro microwave safe bowl, microwave that for like 30 ish seconds and stir it until everything's like melted in there. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to drizzle. You're going to kind of fold that uh, Oreo cream into your base ice cream and you're going to crush up those cookies and then fold that into there. Put that into like a bread loaf pan or something. When you're all done, pop it in the freezer for at least four hours, preferably overnight. Boom. You got homemade ice cream, baby. It is delicious. And it is like the ex exactly what you need on a hot summer day. Uh, again, another recommendation, add some cocoa powder about like a tablespoon, maybe two, depending on how cocoa you want, just to that base mixture. Dude, you got you got chocolate ice cream. Nice, simple chocolate ice cream. Throw some like brownie chunks in there too. Fold that all together. Put it in a bread loaf pan. Pop that in your freezer. Boom, you got ice cream, baby. You can thank me later. Well, now you've made me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you told me when I did the uh, the two ingredient uh, pu uh, pumpkin bread before, like you and your wife tried it and you, you guys seemed to like it. 
Yep, as I and my wife loves loves ice cream, especially and now that she is pregnant. So I have oh, this there may, we go. This this may save me a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. Too yeah, heavy cream is not like super expensive either. Uh, and if you plan to make a lot of it, you can get like a like a like a quart order of it, whatever of it. And uh, yeah, and sweet condensed milk, same thing. You can get like for one or two bucks, depending on your grocery store. And again, you can customize this however you want. Um, like my, my, me and my family, our favorite is, is the cookies and cream one. And then we do a uh, double chocolate fudge, which is the, uh, uh, the, co- we do cocoa powder in the base. And then we, I, I pre-make brownies. I do like just some boxed brownies or whatever, since that's just going to be folded in, chop that all up and then, um, and then fold that into the ice cream baby. And you've got like, you, you'll be the hero of your household. If you surprise your wife and your son with this homemade ice cream, dude, you're going to be a hero. Trust me. I, I I will have to keep this section of the podcast in my brain. <laughs> Clip it. All right, folks, that'll do it for us. Uh, thank you so much for sticking with us and talking Star Wars. We hope that we didn't upset you that by by liking the the Last Jedi. But if you if you did, maybe this podcast isn't for you. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Star Wars is for everybody, and I think I think there's a, at least there's enough films out there that at least there's something for everyone to enjoy. Right? Would you agree with that? I would think so. Yeah, and 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 go out there and watch movies and enjoy. Remember, they're supposed to be fun. They're supposed to be enjoyable. Stop taking everything so seriously all the time. That's true of everything, by the way. Uh, you know, but it, but also Zack Snyder's Justice League. That that movie's great, and you should we should <laughs> take that movie very seriously. It's a very serious movie. <laughs> I, see. That's a bingo. <laughs> I'm gonna do a full like blackout bingo one day. Whenever you show me your bingo card. <laughs> For my co-host, Daniel, I am your co-host, Mike. And like we say every time, I'm haunted by the kiss that you should have never given me. (laughs) GG! Line delivery.